Welcome to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you uh, are doing well. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA NABC studios, lots to talk about here tonight. Not a lot of time, as we have plenty of guests to get to, and we're already running a little bit behind. If you happen to be watching us live, if you've got questions for us or want to interact with us, don't forget on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. That's how you can interact with us. We have lots to talk about tonight, lots of guests to get into the show. If you want to, to, to interact with what we're doing, we've told you how to do it. We encourage you to do it across the board, et cetera, et cetera. But here's who we have coming up tonight. We'll have Chris Down, St. Lawrence's men's basketball coach. Dan Priest from Kenyon. Uh, he be, Dan will be part of our NABC Coaches Corner. We'll talk not only about Kenyon and the NCAC and obviously the Great Lakes region, also talk to him about the NCAC OAC um, effort next week to raise money for cancer awareness with the NABC Suits and Sneakers program, specifically uh, lymphoma and leukemia in honor of Coach uh, Goodwin at Capitol. We'll talk about that coming up with Dan Priest. We'll also hear from Guy Rancourt from Lycoming, talk about the Mac Commonwealth race and the Mid-Atlantic setup and just how challenging it is to be at Lycoming with a very different set of protocols, as it were, for your student-athletes and the students you recruit, et cetera, et cetera. Also, um, we'll talk to women's coach, uh, Amanda Bailey at Luther, they come on coming off of a tough loss to Loris, which puts them in a first place tie with Loris. Last night uh, was the game and the loss. We talked to her about that loss, recovering from that, and an absolutely jam-packed IIAC race. Two-thirds of that conference uh, it has a legitimate chance at the top of the conference. It's incredible to watch. We'll talk to Amanda Bailey about that. And then have you seen the UAA race, uh, speaking of tight races, Carnegie Mellon's Jackie Hullo will join us on the show to talk about the Tartans who play at least one nationally ranked team every single weekend in the UAA schedule and maybe two teams who at least deserve to be in the conversation, have been in the conversation, or uh, are part of the national conversation in some capacity or another. Um, you know, it's either WashU Chicago weekend, it's NYU Brandeis weekend, or it's Rochester Emory weekend. In those three national-ranked teams once a weekend, plus, again, so Wash U, Chicago, you got one. NYU, Brandeis, you've got one. Rochester, Emory, you've got one. The only time she doesn't play one on a weekend is when she plays her her travel partner, as it were, at Carnegie Mellon they, when they play. Um, oh, I've forgotten. How do I forget who the other team there is? Ah, you know what I'm talking about. Case Western Reserve. So lots to talk about tonight. Quickly, let's go through some of the things that have happened so far this week. Um, for example, in the top 25, uh, haven't seen a lot of shakeups. There have been some losses on the men's side. Um, real quick, uh, Amherst lost to Wesleyan in a game they weren't even in, 71-44. I believe this was the non-NESCAC game, so interesting timing for Amherst, but still a bad loss to Wesleyan. They'll play Bowdoin and Colby this weekend. Franklin and Marshall lost uh, a tough one to Gettysburg last night, 73-57. That game was tighter near the end, but was about that score for much of the second half. Franklin and Marshall made a run to get it tight, and then Gettysburg pulled away. FNM has McDaniel at home. Well, they're supposed to play him Saturday. I believe that game could be pushed as far as Monday. I don't know what it's officially been spotted. We'll talk about that in a second. Mount Union lost to Marietta, 98-85. Of course, Marietta 
ranked above Mount Union. So most top 25 voters probably won't move them too much. Others receiving votes. Carroll lost to St. Norbert. Babson lost to MIT. Babson's having just a weird season. Trine lost to Alma, 96-91. That game didn't look close for a while, then got close and got high scoring. Uh, and hamden Sydney lost to Randolph. That's all on the men's side. On the women's side of things, um, not much, not shockingly much to talk about, um, which is pretty much standard quo. Uh, you got to go all the way down to 12, where Whitewater lost to number 13, Oshkosh. So probably not, you know, pick them, but it, granted, it was a 13 point loss. Uh, Calvin lost to Hope in a game they weren't ever in, 79 47. Uh, 32 points there. Shocking uh, outcome there for Calvin. River Falls beat Stevens Point, both in men and women, uh, 62-53 in women, and Rowan defeated Stockton in another game that wasn't close, 85-53. Those receiving votes, Luther lost to Loris, which we mentioned. Moravian lost to Scranton. Granted, Scranton is the number six team in the country. Stevens lost to Muhlenberg. Muhlenberg again, 16 team in the country. Lots of postponements on the East Coast, especially in the Northern Virginia, all the way through New York City area. Major blizzard coming through is the best I can describe it as a non-meteorologist. We've been in the Baltimore area under, under a blizzard watch since yesterday morning. That upgraded to a blizzard warning today, which means, oh, it's real. It's going to be on. In less than 24 hours, it will be snowing hard here, and we aren't expecting to see the snow stop until Sunday morning. It's going to go 36 hours. At my place, we could see two feet of snow. I already know my alma mater, Goucher, has pushed their game to Sunday. I'd be surprised if they're playing Sunday. They're playing Drew, who has to come from northern New Jersey. I don't see how Drew's going to get down here, though crazier things have happened. Um, Catholic has rescheduled their game with Merchant Marine, but not until the end of February. Um, the last weekend of the regular season. I know the Centennial was up in the air. Mac Commonwealth games were up in the air, et cetera, et cetera. We will recap as much as we can who's been affected uh, at the end of the show. The challenge being for a lot of these teams is when can they play? I know McDaniel, for example, was thinking, well, school's supposed to start Monday. If we push that to Tuesday, then maybe we can play Monday in the afternoon against F&M instead. Schools are pushing back their move-in dates for the second semester. It's getting a little complicated, a poorly timed storm. But certainly we have six weeks to get this game in. The problem is for the, some of those schools who have to do long-distance travel, that's where it becomes problematic. The interesting dynamic, and we'll talk to Light Cummings' head coach coming up here about this, Steve, that game is at Stevenson. Stevenson's buried or going to be buried in snow. Lie coming, not supposed to be even touched by this storm. So there is a dividing line. So there are going to be some games, which may be the perfect opportunity for those of you who may have gone off to see Division Three games who have who will still have power <laughs> to maybe log on and watch some games elsewhere in the country. Uh, excellent opportunity to do that. So look out for that. Oh, update on McDaniel. McDaniel will be playing FM Sunday at 5. Oh, for now. <laughs> Doubleheader Sunday at 5, I believe starting at 5, for now. Again, there's talk about moving that to Monday, possibly. I don't know how a lot of these games are going to get played, to be completely honest, uh, at that time. I think that's a little crazy because I just don't know how teams... If we get two feet of snow in the Baltimore area, plain and simple, it's a lot of digging out, a lot of side roads to figure out, etc. And it's going to make it tough. And again, Drew to Goucher, for example... That's why Merchant Marine to Catholics not happening. Not to mention the fact Merchant Marine doesn't want to play on Sundays to begin with. One of the reasons the reason leaving the landmark. The irony is the last week in the regular season, Merchant Marines gonna be playing Goucher and Catholic, their furthest away games 
back to back. <laughs> um, I, it's, it, it cracks me up because that was part of the reason the entire schedule got changed. It's just irony. Nothing more than that. Again, if you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Quickly, I want to touch on the fact we have had some technical difficulties over the last couple of live shows. We don't know the reason. One of them cropped itself up already tonight, but we have a workaround at least for that. Um, it shouldn't affect us tonight, but the problem that ended our show last um, Sunday, we don't know what the problem was, and we're hoping it's not going to crop its head up tonight. We couldn't, we can't duplicate the problem, as it were. So hopefully nothing happens tonight. Everything works fine, and we get back off the schneid, as it were, and full force, as obviously we have a big couple of shows coming up. we got the Hoopsville Marathon a week from today. We'll talk about that more at the end of the show as well. One of the stories we talked about on Sunday was the story out of Geneseo, the death the murder of a student-athlete, two student-athletes by a former student, um, upset about his girlfriend, murders his girlfriend, murders uh, another student, um, presumably that he found at her house. Lots of speculation, certainly not going to go there, don't want to taint anything, don't want to assume anything, whatever. However, we did hear from Geneseo after we reached out, and their head coach, Scott Hammer wanted to come on and talk about Kelsey and, and, and uh, Kelsey, the player and the team and how they're recovering. So we have that story for you coming up. It is a tough story to cover. It's not what this show is designed to do. It's not what we want to do, but it is a story about division three. It is a story about a basketball team who is in, who is dealing with a lot and not just them, the men's basketball team, the ice hockey team, the community, etc. So coming up on Hoopsville, we will talk to Scott Hemmer, celebrate the life of the player, and talk a little bit about how the team is recovering from all this. That's all coming up. Again, on top of the fact that we also have Chris Downs from St. Lawrence, Dan Priest from Kenyon, Guy Rancourt from Lycoming, Amanda Bailey from Luther, and Jackie Hulla from Carnegie Mellon. It is a jam-packed show, which is why I have a little bit of urgency in my voice. Oh, we got to get the thing moving. So coming up. We talked to Scott Hemmer from Geneseo about how the women's team is dealing with a loss of a teammate. This is also a program who nearly lost another teammate, if you remember the story of Leah Soborowski. Talk about the dynamics of the two. Scott Hemmer joins us coming up on Hoopsville. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com um, from the WBCA and ABC studios. Again, interact with us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And, of course, uh, you can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Scott Hemmer, Geneseo Women's Basketball, and the tragedy of losing a student, coming up next on Hoopsville. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We said before the break that this next segment was not going to be your prototypical Hoopsville segment. It's not good to talk about bad news. But it is a story of Division Three, and it's certainly a story of one particular basketball team and, of course, one ice hockey team. We will not be talking primarily about the ice hockey program. But we do want to talk about what happened at Geneseo, which we first talked about on Sunday here on the show. The death of two students at the hands of a former student at SUNY Geneseo. It is a tough story, to say the least. We're not going to go into exactly what happened. You can certainly do all you want on the Googles and, and, and look up the story. We have one on D3Hoops.com that gives you some of the basics. But Lila's to say two students found dead at the hands of a third student who then committed, his, uh, committed suicide himself tells you enough of what's happening. And now you have two uh, programs who are having to deal with this while also in the middle of their seasons and having to move forward in some capacity. For us, our focus is on the basketball team. That doesn't take away from the fact that two, two lives, and technically three lives, were certainly taken at a young age, and one of those being a basketball player on the women's side for Geneseo and Kelsey Anise, and the other one being an ice hockey player and Matt Hutchinson. Interestingly enough, Matt's number 23, Kelsey's number 32, kind of go hand in hand. Didn't think we'd do much with this segment today, but having talked to the women's basketball coach at Geneseo, a friend of the program, one we've had on earlier this season and had on in the past about how a team can rally around another teammate for the better of that teammate, got us to this point, and so we will go to the Hoopsville hotline and talk to the man who's dealing with a team who's certainly uh, dealing with something we shouldn't be dealing with in general, but he is in the grander schemes, and Scott Hammer joins me. Here from Geneseo, Scott. Welcome to Hoopsville. Unfortunately, welcome to Hoopsville. Uh, hi, Dave. Thanks. Uh, thanks for thinking about us up here. Absolutely. Obviously, I've gotten to know your program just a little bit. Uh, we'll talk more about that. But obviously, with Leah Sobi Sobolarski's story in the past, and I got to see you up there at the uh, Wendy's Classic. Certainly didn't expect to have you back on the show this soon, and for any of these reasons. But first and foremost, let's just get it out of the way. How did you guys find out that Kelsey's life had been taken? Well, I, uh, unfortunately, I, I received a phone call um, early, uh, early this past Sunday. Um, I originally had um, had a couple of players reach out to me um, and uh, my assistant coaching staff that, uh, you know, they were all starting to talk and try to figure out what happened. And then um, the, uh, the real tough part was when the, the phone rang and it was the dean of students verifying that there had been an accident mm -hmm. and that uh, they were requesting uh, me to, to get to the scene uh, as soon as possible. And, uh, you know, 
I, I've said over and over again, you know, at no point uh, in in my career or even when I was in college was there ever a uh, coaching course offered that uh, or a manual available that you could pick up that tells you how to deal with a situation like this. So uh, you're on the fly, uh, and as much as you have uh, unbelievable support, there, there's no right way to deal with it or set way to deal with it. So so you're scrambling and. And so, you know, my my coaching staff and myself, uh, we we quickly tried as as I went to the scene. They they tried to gather uh, the team that was on campus and get them over to the health center where there was uh, counseling uh, counselors on their way for to be prepared for counseling. And um, we had played a game the night before, so yeah. some of the players had gone home, and and we were trying to scramble to get them there. And and after several hours of you know getting people. Uh, getting the team and their families on campus and and gathered together in the same room uh I walked in you know and and again you walk into the room and there's everybody and you you're standing at the front you have no notes you have not a lot of prior thought of how to, what to say because obviously your your thoughts are channeled elsewhere and all all I can tell you is here I am looking out at a room at you know 40 50 people your your team their families they're looking at you they're, they're, they want to know some answers, and ultimately you know that they're looking for direction. And at that point you take a deep breath because you've got about five or ten seconds before you have to give them something, and you have absolutely no idea what to say. Um, but you have to say something, and they're, they're waiting. And so we, we, we laid it out there. I was honest with them about the incident. And, um, you know, at that point, you can imagine what the scene was like. And, um, you know, I, I just looked at them and I said, you know, we've been through something similar like this in the past with Leah. And, you know, the one thing she taught us was, uh, it, you know, if if you've got a passion for a sport and a love for your team, you can overcome just about any obstacle. And although this would be very difficult for us, uh we would move forward and we would do it just simply by putting one foot in front of the other every day and uh, that's all we're trying to do at this point Dave. Obviously games against uh, Cortland were obviously postponed on Tuesday we'll talk more about that uh, in just a minute but obviously this was just not only an ice hockey program this was an I mean I should say a basketball program it was also an ice hockey program that took the brunt of this, and as a result, the entire department took a hit. And and as you and I talked about prior, it's not like Geneseo sees a lot of high crime uh, no. in its history. This is a this is shocking for the town and and the college as well. And I can imagine that as a result, this is something where that's this has affected everybody, whether they knew Kelsey or or they knew Matt or or not. Yeah, and I I, I guess the. <laughs> You know, there, there's a couple ways to look at that. I, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you uh, the amount of email and text messages and, and phone calls that I've received from uh, basketball officials who do our games, from, from coaches who, not just our conference, but out of conference, um, regional coaches, coaches at different levels, coaches I've never met, um, former players who we've played against. I, I mean, it, it's... It's really amazing to to have that kind of support, or at least you know to know that that many people are thinking um, positive thoughts about you and your program through the tragedy. And you know, last night they had a remembrance ceremony mm-hmm. here at the school. And again, as you indicated, we're a rural community, uh, 30 minutes south of of Rochester. So you know, there's there's not uh, there's not a huge population here. And and yet last night. 
uh, somewhere around 3,500 people uh, showed up for the remembrance ceremony mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, in the old gymnasium, and uh, they had uh, over 4,000 people watch um, via uh, web stream. So you know, you get that that type of volume for an event like this. I I think that speaks volumes to uh, to what kind of effect it's had on people uh, who who are familiar with either the sport or the, the the individuals or just the campus and college community. How far and wide have you heard from people? I mean, you said you've heard from hundreds, but uh, yeah, they're not that I want to glorify that. But I'm just basically sure. saying how you know what's the what's the how far and how wide has this run is what I'm I'm getting at. Well, about as far as you can imagine within the United States, I can't say I've had a whole lot of international stuff at this point. Certainly. But, uh, uh, you know, I, different levels, Division One coaches, um, uh, you, you hear from, from people at the WBCA. You hear, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. You name it, you, I've, I've heard from them. That's pretty impressive. Obviously, back to your team, this is certainly not something that, as you say, is in the playbook. It's not in the coaching book. It's not in the in the assistant coaching book. It's not something anybody is prepared to deal with. Interestingly enough, your team has already had to deal with a tragedy with its own teammate that luckily had a positive outcome. In in Leah, who we talked about earlier and we've talked about on the show in the past, can you can you lean on that type of experience in any way, shape, or form to help guide you through this one, or at least get you in the right direction? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think like you said, get him, get in the right direction. I, as and I alluded to it earlier a little bit. Um, you try to draw from the strength you had not too long ago when you went through a similar situation of, of, um, you know, really feeling like you know the, the the world was crashing down on you. And you know, there are still some some people here who who were around at that time when we originally went through that with Leah and. Obviously, everybody here knows that story, uh, and you know all, all you have to do is look at her every day uh, and realize that you know if she could overcome that, we can get through this. And you know, I, I, we will never move on from this. And I, I've told the kids to stop pretending they can. Um, we will never move on from this. But but what we can do is move forward. Um, Leah's been through a lot, a lot. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, we can use some of that strength, uh, you know, of who she is and, and what she overcame. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've leaned on her a lot at this point to, to be a leader by my side through this. And, um, you know, I, again, we're, we'll look for anything we can to, uh, to keep moving forward, you know, one day at a time, one foot in sure. front of the other. Um, but, uh, you know, they've already been through a lot with her. So, you know, a little bit of adversity is, is something that, that we're used to, and, and you know, we're not going to let it knock us down. It's interesting. You don't get that opportunity when you are one who is in need and people rally around you to be able to give that back. And Leah has certainly been doing that with the organ donations in many ways. But to be a part of a program and be able to return the favor is an interesting uh, dichotomy and one you hoped she would never have to go through. Obviously, you guys postponed the games on Tuesday. You are mm-hmm. planning to move forward to play games on Saturday. The day you will be, unfortunately, uh, the funeral in the morning and the memorial service the day before. I know you will get on the bus, but you kind of told me beforehand, who knows what happens after that. Yeah, well, the, unfortunately, the, the calling hours are Friday night when we're supposed to be playing Plattsburgh and the uh, – 
the funeral is in the morning, which we're supposed to be playing Potsdam, our, our traditional Friday-Saturday yeah. road trip. And, um, you know, the, I, our conference is, it's been amazing. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're people that, that want to kick your tail when they're on the floor. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> you know, you, you can't ask for more, more support from, uh, from the, whether it's the coaches or the administration. It's been great. Um, proud to be associated with them all they've 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 all offered to do just about anything we've asked and you know and on the flip side you know we're up against it with this with what times left to, to squeeze in games yeah. and you know Potsdam is not an hour or two hour ride from here and Plattsburgh certainly isn't so it's not like you hop on a bus Wednesday and you go play and you come home right. it, it, there's just so many challenges and and you know I I've told my players they have my full support whatever they want to do I'm there for them and you know if if worst case scenario we forfeit the weekend we forfeit the weekend I, I mean put everything in perspective at this point and um you know, they they sat and talked about it, and they decided they they want to play. And you know, they've already got T-shirts being made that that say, you know, we play for U32, and um, you know, we've we've gotten patches put on their uniforms and and that type of stuff. So so they're ready to to bring her along with them, but. Uh, yeah, the funeral is at 11 a.m. in Rochester, and and we're obviously going to attend. And um, as soon as it's over, we're going to get on the bus and and drive to Potsdam, and we're going to get off, and we're going to try to play. And I I said to the girls, I said to to um, uh, everybody at Potsdam, uh, Tara, I just said. You know, listen. If we get off the bus and they can't do it, then we'll get back on the bus and we'll go to Plattsburgh and we'll try again Sunday. And I, I guess that's all we can do at this point. And then obviously you have a big game coming up now Tuesday against Cortland at home. I know there's mm-hmm. uh, special tickets being sold, basically expecting a sellout crowd for that. Mm-hmm. You get close to the men's basketball program too, Scott. This has got to be affecting them in some capacity as well. Yeah, I mean, our men's coach, uh, Steve Minton, um, he's really been a rock. I, I mean, he has done just about everything uh, for rescheduling and, and moving his gym time so we can have whatever we want. And, uh, you know, he, he's he's gone above and beyond. And, um, you know, his, his team, he, he's got a great group of guys, and, and they are, you know, fairly close with our girls. And, you know, like it or not, they're they're in this with us because we travel together, and so uh, you know all these changes affect them, and yeah. and you know I don't want it to affect their team, and um, so you know unfortunately it does. They've they've been there for us. They you know come to the the remembrance and they communicate with the girls. They've been really supportive, and you know I think it all stems from the leadership they're getting from their head coach. Um, so we've talked a lot about the team. We've talked about others, et cetera. Can you give us a the story of Kelsey? Oh, I, I you know, I, last night I was asked to, to speak at the Remembrance, and, you know, between the 3,500 people at it and the 4,000-plus <laughs> watching, um, I, you know, I, she she's remarkable. You know, I, 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 I've said before, I've done so many interviews at this point, every coach is accused of playing favorites. And, um, you know, we all try to pretend that we don't have favorites. But, um, 
but everybody has them. I, I think the misconception is is who they are. I, I think oftentimes fans, parents, observers feel that you know it's the kid that plays the most or the one that's getting the most shots or scores the most points. And I, I think for most of us, um, it's the the special people that you come across throughout your coaching who who have it. And uh, Kelsey had it. Uh, she was everything you would want. Um, you know, I, I said it at one point um, last night that she's, you know, she's the type of person every day that you wish you were most of the time. And, um, you know, because of that, she'll, she is and always will be one of my favorites. Um, her, you know, her dedication to the program uh, is unwavering. Uh, you know her selflessness i mean she was a role player came off the bench for us mm -hmm. and um embraced that uh didn't just didn't just do it but embraced it and uh you know her being you know the kind the considerate the passionate um she was an incredible young young woman and and last night i i gave in my speech the definition of incredible being defined as extremely good great or large and I, I threw in the fact that she was not large or she wouldn't have been a point guard, but uh, what she was was great. Uh, I mean, that, that kid was a great leader. She was a great role model. She was a great teammate, and she was a great friend. And, uh, you know, I, I, this stuff has been hard for me. It's been very hard, this this whole process, I mean, for all of us. And, uh, you know, the, the interviews especially. Um, but uh, she's the type of person that I, I owed struggling through it for. Um, I owed it to her. So, um, you know, I, I can't say enough nice things about her. Her teammates, I mean, you know, we meet we meet at the end of the season with, with our returning players, and we talk about, I don't know if you want to call it a vote, but they get an opportunity to give me feedback on, on who ultimately they want to serve as their captains for the following year, and I always go with who they want anyways. But uh, unanimously, unanimously, they wanted – Kelsey to be their captain this year and you know this is a kid who who doesn't start and she's not in the end of the game for the big shot um, but yet they they saw her as their best leader well pretty impressive to say the least that uh that she was that kind of player career high five points interesting enough in the last game she played against Buffalo State I want to tip my hat to you for coming on the show sir thank you so much for taking the time I didn't want to uh, make it more than it needed to be, but I appreciate you even thinking about us to, to come on and tell her story, which you knew we wanted to do. And I absolutely, she she deserved it. Abs she deserved absolutely. Uh, as always, and it seems apropos here, especially that we give the final word to the coach. Any final words you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Sure. Um, I, I said before that the support uh, that we've received from people is is I, I mean it's overwhelming to be. <laughs> quite frank um and you know i i really think it speaks volumes to uh, the basketball community um you know we're we're all a competitive bunch um you know it it's comical you you get emails from officials that you know you were screaming at for an over the back call uh, a week <laughs> before and you know they're sending flowers to your school um i be, officials and players at other schools and and the coaches who you know, you name it, they're willing to do it. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's it's been amazing. Um, last night, um, 
there were teams here from other schools, um, wow. you know, some some schools that we don't we don't even play, who uh, made the trip down here to be a part of that ceremony, and uh, it's really a special group. And and I hope and you know and those who are listening who um, you know have have reached out to us understand how uh, greatly appreciated it is not just by myself but my team. Uh, they're really struggling, and and uh, any any time we can go onto the floor or get into the locker room or into a classroom of that group and tell them, you know, this is who we heard from in the last few hours and this team sent a picture of, you know, them on the court together after a game and I mean it's it's been amazing, it's special. I think it's a tribute to the people that uh, we associate ourselves with and as much as the the competitiveness sometimes gets the best of us, um there there's still uh, a lot of good people in this uh profession and uh yeah, you know, I, I just want to say thank you to everybody. Well, thank you, Scott, for coming on. I appreciate it. I'm sure that thanks will be spread far and wide. Uh, good luck uh, this weekend. Good luck the rest of the season. Um, I wish my best to the entire team uh, and to the entire community on top of that. And um, I'm sure we'll stay in touch, but good luck. Thank you very much. Pretty incredible story. Again, thank you, Scott. Kelsey Anise, unfortunately, along with Matt Hutchinson, killed on Sunday morning. Um, and there's just no words to explain how tragic that is for anybody who has to deal with sports, but for anybody in general to deal with that. I want to thank Scott for taking the time. You'll know we have the number 22 Ohio Wesleyan jersey signed by Lauren Hill prominently over our shoulder. You know that we've got a wonderful number 23, which is my number from center over my shoulder as well. We will find a way to put a number 32 in our background in the next few days. So please look out for that to, to honor Kelsey and honor Geneseo and the team. Moving forward, we want to thank Scott for appearing on the show, and I want to thank, well, I want to salute Kelsey. Died at 21. She will be missed, and we wish Geneseo nothing but the best moving forward. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first-year student-athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I believe student-athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. 
I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. For the love of the game. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you uh, have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC WBCA studios. Appreciate their support as well. Again, I want to thank Scott Hemmer for appearing on the show, talking about the tough subject that is the Geneseo women's basketball story and is his former player, Kelsey, uh, and her tragic death. I, it, a tough thing to talk about, but I really hats off to him. And hats off to Geneseo one more time. The one-night campaign and, of course, the efforts up there to keep everybody informed and, and, and keep in touch with everybody to take care of them is well done. We'll certainly keep tabs on how they do the rest of the season. We'll be fascinating to see how they do this weekend. We're now going to take a shift. However you can make that shift, we'll at least stay in New York State to talk about our next segment and basketball we're going to switch to men's basketball and talk about the Liberty League this time. If you've looked at the Liberty League or you had any idea of what the Liberty League was coming into everything, you knew the Liberty League would probably be skid more and everybody else. There's some good teams in there. What are those good teams? This year it's been crazy, <laughs> to say the least. The leader is Rochester Tech, 8-7 and seven overall, 4-2 and two in conference. Then there's St. Lawrence, 7-6, and 3-2. Skidmore is 9-6, but 4-3, and three, tied with Union at 4-3, and three, who's 6-8. and eight. Seven and ten is Clarkson at four and four. You got two teams at the bottom of the of the three teams at the bottom at five hundred or above, six and eight Hobart, six and eight Vassar, and seven and seven RPI who have losing records in the conference. What to make of it? Well, I don't know. That's why we have coaches on the show. So joining us via Skype, I would like to announce, uh, live on the show here is St. Lawrence's head coach, Chris Downs. He joins us via Skype, as we said. And coach, first and foremost, uh, thank you for joining me on the show. Oh, Dave, thanks for uh, thanks for inviting us. And uh, I'd like to say I, I had a chance to listen to that last segment and, you know, our hearts at St. Lawrence and uh, in the basketball community really go out to Kelsey's family. And it's uh, it's really impressive the job that Coach Hemmer is doing. Uh, none of us go into this profession thinking we're going to have to deal with those kind of kinds of things. But he's uh, he's done a great job that, the, you know, I, I've talked to Steve Minton. And uh, he's been super supportive, and and that that community is just handling just a terribly tragic time, and and just doing a great job. So I I'm uh, I'm glad to be on. I'm sorry I have to to follow such a tough story, but really impressed with what they're doing down there, and our, our hearts go out to them. Uh, I will say that it's it's tough to follow them no matter how it is. So I apologize that it is you, but at the same time, very well said. Uh, and I agree with you. I think the side story about what uh, Coach Minton is doing is is certainly to be. Uh, recognized as well and of course there's a women's ice hockey team that kind of coincides with a men's team so anyway we're moving on to your side you guys bring a two-game losing streak to an end with a home win against rochester tech uh, who th who thought they'd be in the mix uh this season uh but they are in the mix rit um 87-82 after losing to clarkson and hobart it's been an ups and down season for you it's been an up and down season for the conference uh, how do we make sense of this conference and your team this year? Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what's interesting about our conference. Our conference is, I think you're going to be hearing a little more about this conference in the next couple of years. 
you know, we, we return, we return every player off of our top eight, um, on next year's team. And we're not unique in that way. Hobart's got, I think they start three or four freshmen. There's some terrific freshmen on RPI. Um, there's a great freshman playing for Skidmore. There's a six ten freshman kid playing at Vassar who is really good and some really good sophomores. This league's got some very good people in it, but they're all freshmen and sophomores. And so I think you're finding that they're they're day in and day out. You know, they're up and down. And uh, I think that's why the league and the and the teams are so up and down. I mean, it's uh, I honestly think it's a fifty fifty game every night and every game that's going to get played in this conference. Oh, that's that's saying it lightly. I, I, there's other reasons we're going to be talking about this conference down the road, and we'll talk about that as well later in the show. But, you know, it, it is it is not easy to this conference because it's incredible travel, and that's true with the SUNYAC. That's true with the, the Empire, right? It, it's just hard in New York State to get around, to be blunt. Of course, you guys are in the very furthest northern section um, of the state, along with SUNY Canton, who's looking for a conference. Um and and you have to you have to hit the road. We'll talk about how tough the road's going to be. But I I look for your your uh, beginning of the season. You got some tough stretches you had to handle, and you and you handled them pretty well on the road at Plattsburgh State. And yes, you lost, but then you responded with a, a road win against Elmira, a road road win against Ithaca. Um, yes, Clarkson nipped you in the butt on the road, but you really have to balance that schedule a little bit in the terms of how much you're going to you know put the team through on a bus to to pull off a season like this. Yeah, we, you know, we try to play, we try to play some of the, you know, the strongest SUNYAC teams. You know, we'll play Oswego, who is a, a very good team, and mm-hmm. and Plattsburgh and Brockport, and and we start our year off with some, you know, some really tough schools, and and Ithaca College is a is a really, you know, a good school that's going to be joining our conference, and they're always they're always tough. So we try to, uh, you know, we started out with, uh, you know, with three losses and. I think we came back and we might have won five in a row or five of six. And, um, you know, the Clarkson game is a they're 10 miles down the road and it's a good rivalry game. And, you know, they uh, they got us. We had a shot at the buzzer to, to, to beat them and we missed it. And uh, we'll look forward to getting, uh, you know, getting a chance at them when they come over to our place. But, uh, yeah, the, the schedule can be tough up here. What's it like to have a team to five mile, 10 miles down the road? <laughs> well, we've got we've got three of them within 12 miles. You know, with SUNY Canton being in the same community and then Potsdam State uh, and Clarkson, um, you know, there's no shortage of college kids and there's no shortage of rivalry games uh, every year. Uh, sorry, folks. In the middle of that, you saw my Twitter tweet deck pop up over his screen. It's because I forgot which screen everything was on and he was on the same screen. And it's not just for me. It's for you, too. So I apologize for that. We blocked you out there, Chris. That's all right. For a short period of time. Um Listen, the road trip's going to be tough ahead of you because the next oh four games are on the road. You got to travel to RPI and Union this weekend. You then have to travel to Bard and Vassar the following weekend. It doesn't get much easier when you are in the middle of a tough battle in this conference right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the rides are long up here, Dave. We don't, you know, you get used to them. We don't, no, you don't get used to them. We we don't um, we don't judge rides by the number of hours. We judge them by the number of movies. We yes. Can. So we're like it's a three movie trip or it's a six movie trip. You know yeah, that makes sense. We, we've dropped movies and I like to see the guy who gets one of the red box receipts and says Canton, New York. How did this movie get down here? Um, so we uh, you know we watch a lot of movies. Uh, we travel you know we travel in in comfort with a nice charter bus and. Uh, 
you know, a couple of diet Pepsis and, uh, you know, and a little cards and you can go anywhere. <laughs> a few diets. I, I got to <laughs> give you some credit for it. It's just diets uh, and not something a little stronger with a little pep. Um, yeah. I mean, Canton's tough to get around to anyway, but though Plattsburgh, you're the closest in the SUNYAC school seat, Plattsburgh. Right. Um, but it's still, going to those places is tough. Uh, you've you've got to keep you guys fresh and back-to-back -back nights on top of all that. This has some advantages if you make the NCAA tournament. But listen, this conference, as we said at the beginning, up in the air. It's a free-for-all right now. Every game's going to matter. And usually you would like to say win them all at home and then split the road. It almost feels like you've got to win more of your home games this year. I think Road games, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I think, yeah, I do think you're going to have to go on the road and win. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Dave, a little later in the year, you may be finding that we're flipping a coin for number one and two. Like mm. the tiebreakers may be such that you can't even get to a one and two. Uh, it would mm. not surprise me if uh, if there's a lot of teams that are just, you know, with the same record and, and we're trying to figure out ways to to split this thing up. Um, but, yeah, the, the road we're going on, this is a really critical stretch for us. And uh, our guys had a good week of practice. Last week when we played Clarkson and then lost to Hobart on Friday night, we had a terrible week of practice coming off, you know, coming off sweeping Vassar and Bard. And uh, we weren't focused. We're up here in the North Country with, you know, not much to do, but maybe a little bowling alley and a movie. And <laughs> the practice was the practices were bad. And our I thought our play matched it um, this week. We've had a little better week and the guys have been more focused. The practices have been crisp and sharp and we've looked pretty good. You know, whether that translates into a win or loss, I you know, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, but I'm excited to get these guys out of here and uh, and get on the road. Talking to Chris Downs here, uh, men's basketball coach at St. Lawrence. Uh, obviously a tough stretch ahead with four straight. After that, they at least return home for three straight, get Skidmore Union and RPI. Um, coach, let's talk a little bit about your team in particular. Um, got a bit of a young team. As you said earlier on, you hinted at it. This conference is going to be rather senior-laden in the next few years. Uh, you only have one senior on this squad. The rest are juniors, uh, a handful of sophomores and freshmen. Uh, we'll talk about the significance of that in a moment, but when you look at the team and who's leading the way, it's Kyle Edwards at 14 points a game, 2.5 rebounds a game, 3.5 assists a game, 13.2 points from Ben Crawford uh, with his 5 rebounds a game. Uh, you've got 11.5 points from Riley uh, I'm going to say Riley's name long, so why don't you just say it for me? It's a Naclario. Naclario. Very good. You say all the letters. That's always good. Yep. Uh, he has 11.5 points and six rebounds. Wiley Zachary, uh, Zachary 10.5 points and three rebounds with three and a half assists. That's four guys, four double figures. A couple of them hand out plenty of assists on top of that. Shouldn't forget uh, Kyle Kobus also at 8.5 points. That's, that's a solid set of team uh, guys people have to worry about. Not just one. Not just two, essentially five. Yeah, I mean, we, we've got some good balance. Like I said, all those guys will be back again next year. So every day we're just trying to get a little bit better. Um, it's nice this year. We're starting to get a little healthier again. Um, Kyle, both the Kyles, um, I just refer to them as K-squared, but those guys <laughs> were really on the shelf a lot last year and uh, didn't didn't get to practice much. And they're much healthier this year um, you know, they're still a little bit banged up, but really they're, they're healthy. And, and Kyle Edwards, you know, he's, he's a really good player and he's got a chance to be something special before he's done. And so 
he's taken some good strides and and leading us and um you know he came out the other night when we needed a good game out of him at um rit and he really started us off in the right direction so um yeah we got a lot of guys that can score we got to you know work to continue to try to develop our bench we're we're playing a lot of guys you know we're getting we're getting five guys playing 15 or 15 minutes or more off the bench but the the point production the rebound production the assist production out of that group of five um needs to needs to improve i was going to say that's kind of the next question i was going to ask you was there was a simple fact that you know the side part of that is you don't have a lot of bench production you aren't afraid to go deep on your bench though you'll go 10 deep in most of your games so you're at least going to go there it's a matter of how much can you get from them well well, that's right and you know part of the part of the reason you know we 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 shortened our bench a little bit last week against rit and uh and we really played eight but if you're going to play and you alluded to it if you're going to play back to back friday night saturday afternoon those games are physical and they're a war and it's really hard to play 35 minutes back to back. You know, we don't have the luxury like Division One to get timeouts at the, you know, at the at the 16 and the 12 and, and stuff. So we have to play guys. And uh, in order to have the same jump on Saturday, we got to get some guys on the floor on Friday night. So it's just a matter of of trying to get them to be better, um, you know, a little more aggressive and and score and just be a little bit better players um, as the year progresses. You've had the tale of two seasons. Uh, you guys started the season uh, one and four in the first five games, losing to Oswego, Brockport, Madai, uh, and Plattsburgh State, with uh, two of those being at home. You beat Middlebury on the road at Madai and part of their conference right there before Thanksgiving weekend. And then after that, you then went on a five-game winning streak, lost two, and now we've won another. So you're six and two in the, in the last eight. Was there a switch? Was it just a matter of you had to get the the kind of the cobwebs out of the system a little bit at the beginning, and now you're feeling good? You know, in other words, which team should we expect moving forward? The one that started one and four, the team that's playing six and two basketball. Well, I like to think that I'd like to think you're going to see the six and two team continue to grow. Um, you know, when we're starting early, we're we were playing a lot of freshmen, we're playing a lot of guys, and they're trying to figure it out. Um, and some of those some of those other guys, Kyle and Kyle, coming off of. Uh, you know, suspect sophomore years. I mean, Kyle, one of the Kyles was a rookie of the year and then he was hurt. So we were kind of piecing it together early, trying to figure out where the shots were coming from, who was going to do what. Um, you know, Riley Declario had a very nice freshman year mm-hmm. um, for us, but, you know, he didn't play at all, even in high school. He went and co- for Coach Fruscio at uh, Albany Academy and he didn't even get to play on their team because he grew five or six inches his senior year, all of a sudden he's six eight, and he can handle the ball a little bit, and he shoots threes. So he had a an okay freshman year, and now we're going to him a lot more, and he's really starting to develop. So I'm hopeful that you're going to see, you know, all these guys getting better and better and better, and we're going to see more six and two and less one and four. Uh, talking to Chris Downs here, his men's basketball team at St. Lawrence sitting second in the conference, three and two, half game back in uh, then Rochester Tech uh, in that win column. Of course, you know, being they have four wins and you have three. That's the other crazy thing about this conference, coach. Anybody's played anywhere from five to eight games. Uh, RPI's played five. You've played five. Ah, Clarkson's played eight. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make understanding their standings right now uh, any much better. And when Ithaca comes on board uh, in a year and a half, it's going to make things even crazier. Um, what do you think of the pickup of Ithaca, and, and how do you think that's going to improve or make things in, in the conference? I mean, it's certainly going to make things, um, 
you know, continue to make things tough. You know, we only have only the top four teams in our conference get a chance to play for the automatic berth. Um, and so with Ithaca, they're a really good team. I think they fit well with our conference. They're a really strong academic school. I mean, we have arguably the strongest um, academic Division three conference in the state. And so it's another, you know, another school that really adds to the credibility of of the conference from both an athletic and academic perspective. So they're going to be tough. Um, their coach is a, is a good coach and their players are good players. And so it's going to be uh, yeah, it's going to make it going to make it hard. What's it like to sit on the sidelines while football decides everything? I mean, that's why Ithaca's coming in. Let's be honest here. And there's somebody else coming. I don't know if they'll be a full-time member or not if they want to keep the AQ. So what's it like to just kind of sit on the sideline and go, who else? <laughs> yeah, we're one of the few. We're basketball is one of the few that has that many teams. Yeah. We're, we're up to 10 now. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know how many more we can take. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll be going north and south here. But, you know, football, football at lots of places drives the bus. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're looking for, you know, we want, our, we want a stable football um, conference. You know, our guys here are doing an unbelievable job. Coach Raymond is, you know, he's got the kids here just really excited and, you know, and it, and it's raising the expectation level for everybody. Sure. Um, and so that's never a bad thing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited. They drive the bus a little bit. They don't drive it like hockey drives it up here, <laughs> but they drive it uh, a pretty good. Hey, you guys are f- predicted to finish second. You're sitting second. Um, but this conference is all over the place. Let's, I'm taking you out of the equation. This is my new favorite question of the year. I'm taking you guys out of the equation. You're not allowed to talk about your team. Okay. If you can't talk about your team, who wins this conference? I think RIT wins this conference. You know, I think RIT's got uh, – they've got a really, really explosive point guard, A.J. Horde, who went for 49 the other night in a double overtime game with, uh, with Union. And he can score in bunches, and he can be the most dominant player in the league. So I think RIT, they've got good inside guys. They've got, you know, real strong. They shoot the ball very well. They're leading the conference in, in shooting and scoring. They're up there in the top in defense. I just think at Coach McVean, I mean, there's nobody been doing it. I think he's been doing it for 40 years. You know, he's a terrific X's and O's guy. And, and I just think RIT's got probably the most complete package from the coach right on down through the players. Uh, side note, we should point out, by the way, Leandre si- uh, Simon not playing for you this season. He's a yeah. former football basketball split, two-time D3football.com All-American. The reasons he's not playing rather interesting. He wants to take a shot at, at, at getting an NFL career and, and preparing for the combine. I'd love to know what the conversation was with you like uh, when he walked in the door and said, so, Coach, here's my thinking. Those were ongoing conversations all the time. Sure. You know, we, we had been in contact. Um, you know, I had asked Coach Coach Raymond about his realistic opportunity to, uh, you know, to be able to do that at that level. He thought it was pretty good. I, I had some friends that are um, Division One football coaches and uh, and sent Leandre's tape down, and and they marveled at his uh, his ball skills uh, when the ball's in the air and stuff. And and they said, look, that kid's a, a really good a really good athlete, good enough that he could play for us in Division One. So um, when when Leandre comes in and we have those conversations, you know, I want nothing nothing but the best. If this this is a dream, and I, I'm not I'm not in the business of stranding in anybody's dream or making Absolutely. anybody feel bad. I I'm you know he was in my office yesterday and uh, and we just talked about all the stuff he's doing and 
I'm real excited for him, and I can't wait to uh, to go watch him play. There's been many a good football player play some good basketball. There have not been that many who can have NFL aspirations. There is certainly one out of that conference. Yep. I'm sure he's inspired by Marpit from Hobart. Um, we wish him luck, and we wish you luck the rest of the season as well, Coach. Obviously a, a tough task ahead in the next two weekends, uh, and then obviously the month of February to deal with. Uh, as always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I mean, I'd just like to say thanks, Dave. I mean, I, uh, I've been doing this now at St. Lawrence for close to 20 years. Uh, I remembered 20 years ago you had me on when we were pretty good. And, uh, Wait, and so 20 was, years ago? That was nice. And uh, <laughs> But you do a lot for Division Three, you know, not just basketball, but promoting Division Three athletics, you know, from top to bottom. And uh, and it's really appreciated by lots of people. And, and so keep up the great work, and, and thanks again. Thank you. Well, that means a lot uh, as well. I appreciate you taking the time. Good luck the rest of the season. I, I don't know if I'm going to get to Canton, New York, so hopefully – you're going to get a little closer to me so I can see you guys in action either way. Maybe I'll see you in Salem. Otherwise, I'll catch you down the road. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Chris Downs joining us from uh, St. Lawrence. Again, the team is 7-6 and six overall, but they're on uh, a pretty good stretch here of winning six of their last eight. Uh, they are 3-2 and two in conference action. Uh, they're at RPI and Union this weekend. When we come back, we'll go to the Ohio and we'll go to the NABC Coaches Corner. Dan Priest from Kenyon talks about why there's some things off the court more important than what's on the court. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. And the uh, out of the WBCA NABC studios, more Hoopsville right after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom or in the sport we love, but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all of those who compete and endure. They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. 
Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Hope you're enjoying the show. You can always interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Forget, forgive the lack of lighting, uh, as you see here. The lights went out right before the segment was to start, and I just didn't have time nor the inkling, uh, to, to feel like running around this place to get the lights back up and running. Well, they'll be back up and running for the next segment. So you'll have to forgive the slightly dark look on my face for a while if you happen to be watching us on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast, just imagine it. It's a lot better that way. Uh, we're not going to switch gears. We're going to go uh, into um, the NABC Coaches Corner now. It's a feature segment here on Thursday where we get to chat with coaches who are doing more than just coach the game, maybe involved with what the NABC is doing or involved in their communities in some way. This is kind of a, a double down. This is a man who's certainly involved with the NABC, but at the same time involved with his community and, of course, the coaches around him as well. Uh Kenyon Lords are seven and nine on the season, four and five in a fascinating NCAC race. So we'll get a little bit of an idea of what's going on there as we welcome on the Hoopsville Hotline Dan Priest, head coach at Kenyon. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Dan. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, let's talk about your team. Seven and nine overall, four and five in is what can be best described as a fascinating NCAC uh, race. You just lost to Wittenberg uh, last night to end a three-game winning streak. You've had uh, some rough spots in the middle of the season, but it seems like you're also playing some good ball right now. Yeah, we're, we're playing a lot better. We Our schedule was, was pretty demanding. We played a played Division One game. We played two scholarship schools and then went down and played Roanoke, who's, who's dynamite, went in a, went a bunch of games. So we, we, we hope that maybe it kind of prepared us to get going here after Christmas. So we, we have played better, We had uh, and we lost a lot of guys from last year. So the uh, schedule helped us a little bit, hurt us in the beginning, just just the level of competition, but it has helped us a little bit. We've played, played much better here since we got back from back from Christmas and since we went down to Roanoke's tournament. Well, let's be honest. Uh, the Roanoke game, uh, you held them to 84 points. That should be a win in itself, the way they've been scoring this year. Yeah, we thought so. <laughs> they're, they're really dynamite, man. Hard to, hard to guard, shooting a lot of threes and pressing all over the place. And um, We were, I think, on four for 21, something like that from three. So we, we thought we, we really guarded pretty well. And they're, I mean, they're winning games in a, in a really, really good league. So I think they're, they're legit and they're for real. So we actually uh, we felt pretty good about how we – kind of turned the corner for us a little bit. And then after that, we started winning some games. Obviously, in conference, you're going to play some good games. So playing Roanoke out of that, even an improving Montclair State squad – um, but you, you know, you have a loss to Hiram, you have a loss to Ohio Wesley, and you have a loss yeah. to Worcester. I mean, those are all some of the top teams of the NCAC. Hiram, a surprise top yeah. of the yeah. NCAC this season, as they are still up there, though they've fallen off a little bit. They're now five and four in conference as they've hit a little bit of a rough stretch, but still, good start for them. They're eleven and five overall. Of course, Ohio Wesley and fifteen and one. You guys are sitting at seven and nine, but in a four-way tie for yeah. for fifth yeah. at four and five. There's a lot on the line with a lot of basketball to play. Yeah, a lot of games that, that, that mean something. I think probably, you know, the top four teams are league host a conference tournament game. So my, my sense is the difference between hosting one and going on the road is going to be one game or the difference between not winning or, or not, not making the tournament and making it is probably going to be the difference between one game. So a lot of games on the line. High West is, I think, clearly the best best team in our league and kind of kind of the superpower of our league and some other real good teams. But, you know, after that, there's a lot of – a lot of pretty good teams. Um, even the teams kind of at the so-called bottom of our league are DePaul, Wabash, or 
yeah. down there and, and two really good teams. DePaul won games in the national tournament last year. Really, yeah. really good team. So I was going to say DePaul and Bill Fenlon just by default automatically means it's a good team, but they did get a huge win last year in the tournament. They got in yeah. with an unexpected automatic bid by winning the conference title. You know, Ohio Wesley might be at the top, and Wittenberg and, and Wesley er, and well, uh, Wittenberg and Worcester might be playing good basketball. That doesn't mean there isn't a dark horse somewhere. It doesn't mean Canyon can't be part of that dark horse. Yeah, I hope so. We've, like I said, we've played. You know, last night obviously Wittenberg had just beaten Worcester, and we really felt like we really had a chance to win. We felt like we had a had a chance to win against uh, Worcester too. So, I think if someone's playing playing pretty well at the right time, or you know, we got nine conference games left. We we have to play eighteen conference games. That's a lot. So we're at the halfway point. So I think if someone really starts starts playing well, that. Uh, and like I said, our Western obviously is, is really good. But I think if someone's playing really well, then they can they can win some games in our conference tournament and have a have a chance, kind of like the ball did last year. Yeah, certainly. Uh, that's a great example of why it's so tough. And of course, the Great Lakes region in general is tough this year. Yes. I mean, yep. you start going through the NCAC, the OAC, the MIAA. Yep. You've got some yep. darn good squads, and we haven't even talked about those leading the AMCC and the HCAC. It, yep. It's it's got to be tough. I know you keep an eye on all of it because you're just one of those coaches who has a pulse on what's going on around. This is a fascinating Great Lakes region. It is. The OEC has you know, three really good teams, and even I'd say more than that, but you know, three teams that are nationally ranked now. Um, the MIAA has some teams that you know Alma, Alma has gotten a lot better. You know, Albion was three and one going into their conference last night. So a lot, lot of really, really good teams. I think coming out of our be interesting to see how it all all shakes out. Uh, let's go back to your team. You've got uh, four guys on it who are seniors. You have an interesting mix of players. Not what I would expect from a normal prototypical school based where you are sure. uh, in not only the Great Lakes region, but in, in Ohio. You've yeah. got uh, almost nobody from Ohio. In, in fact, you yeah. have one player, uh, Chris Link, yeah. uh, Hinkley, yeah. Ohio. The rest, South Carolina, California, Florida, London, England, just to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Massachusetts, yeah. Maryland, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, uh, several from Connecticut, a number of what looks like prep schools as well. This yeah. is not your prototypical, as I said, Ohio kind of breakdown. Yeah, no, we're very different, very different from the rest of our league. Um, Oberlin has somewhat the same demographic sure. in our league as we do, but just it's kind of the demographic of our school, honestly, where I think our school is 20, maybe max 25% Ohio. And it's just, uh, again, where we draw, you know, the West Coast is a big, big draw for us too. But it is an interesting when we, we do starting lineups at the, uh, you know, on the road. We get a lot, of, a lot of strange looks from people who don't know anything about our school and where the guys come from. Um, and the, the officials always kind of get a chuckle. We're starting sometimes three or four different area codes, so or zip codes. So we we get them from from all over all over the map for sure. But it, it's just kind of what our what our school is, and we have a very different recruiting dynamic. Um, talking with Dan um, Priest here. Yeah, you, that dynamic takes you across the country. How do you keep track of everybody like that? Well, it is hard. We have, we do so much in the summer, but it is, it is different where we're not seeing as many kids in high school games, so that makes it makes it challenging. But we we do have to do so much more in the in the summer and uh, in the early fall too of of trying to find guys that you know, once we get to this point, we we have a lot of our class already already determined, which is different than than most other schools in our league. So it just uh, it is challenging, but that we 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 have a kind of a narrow pool based on our, our academic situation that we're not recruiting as broad a pool as as some other places. So that that narrows the field for us quite a bit to, from the very beginning. Um, when you look at your squad, you're led by Tim Connolly, the senior from uh, San Francisco. He's the averaging nearly 20 points a game, uh, hauling in about five rebounds a game, four and a half assists per game, and uh, this is. 
His steals per game is around two per. Um, is it Brian Comey? Brian Comey. It is Brian Comey. Yeah, different Brian spelling. Comey, yeah. Yeah, Brian Comey, yeah. the senior from Westport, Connecticut, 15 and a half or 15 points a game. Um, those are the two double-figure guys, uh, yeah. obviously. And then and Comey, we should mention, also bringing in six rebounds a game. You have plenty of others, uh, Matt Schifrin, Alexander yeah. uh, Powell, Ethan yeah. Shapiro, and the rest who certainly contribute. But it, it seems like a two-headed monster. We do. Those two guys have kind of been the way for us. It's, it's kind of it's kind of nice to see. They're two seniors that have worked at it, got better, kind of a two Division three stories. Uh, Tim barely plays a freshman, just a little bit as a sophomore. Um, Brian played as a sophomore because we didn't have any other big guys, but you know wasn't wasn't awesome last year as a as a junior, but really improved. So it's kind of nice to see you guys that have stuck it out and worked at it and gotten better and done the whole Division three thing of perseverance. And but we we do kind of go as those guys go. Um, of course, seniors. So you've got to be looking for the class behind them, and yep. you kind of indicate that it's it's not easy to recruit to Kenyon. Mm. What's the usual selling point? Well, I mean, we are a nationally linked liberal arts school. I mean, we're in the top thirty nationally. We do have a, you know, from that, uh, we have a national academic reputation. Mm-hmm. So that that naturally draws some people. We have a, you know, incredibly supportive alumni base. We have some some fairly well well thought of and well known alums out there and we do have an incredible facility too it's a 70 million dollar place that we got through some alumni donation but it's it's only i don't know six or seven years old but look looks brand new so that part is is definitely a selling point for us and just the kenyan name does carry a, a bit of a national national reputation and and within the school so that 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 gets our, our foot in the door with a lot of guys to start What's interesting is there's a guy in this squad. I'm going to be a little shameless here for a moment. Freshman Liam Ingolia, yeah, yeah. Uh, is from San Francisco, California. But am I reading his high school right? That's out of Connecticut. He went to prep school. Yeah, he was yeah. he was a post grad year. Yeah, he's a knight. He's 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 from my alma mater. There you go. Yeah, yeah. finally yeah. I run into my alma mater. There you go. At a Division yeah. three school we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, but he's typical. And uh, Bennett Gurgle is a. He's the kid from London. He also went to went to prep school, yep. went to Kimball Union. So we, well, we and, get a few, few of those. And Comey guys. went to Green, Fa- Green, Green Comey Farm. Comey went to Green's Farm. He was a four year guy, though yeah. he wasn't. He didn't do a post grad year. Um, he grew up in Canada. He was originally in D.C. He's back. His parents live back in D.C. now, but he uh, he was a Green's Farm guy too. So we do the, the prep school thing. Yeah. Because the Kenyan name carries a little bit of a little bit of weight. In oh, circles. trust me, I heard that name yeah. quite a bit, even back yeah. when I was in high school, uh, yeah. going through. I mean, I I looked at the Worcesters and the Ohio Wesleyans, and you know, dabbled with the Kenyans and the Hobarts yeah. and the and the yeah. like. Oh, I get it. It's just it's kind of cool to finally see my darn alma mater on D three. They're so D one orientated sometimes. Try it. Dan, you are part of the NABC Coaches Corner, and I want to talk about what you kind of do with the NABC. And one of those things is you're on the uh, um, the, the marketing promotions committee for the NABC in general. You're the chair of that. Yeah. We'll get to some of the other things there, but that that looks like a very lofty title for yeah. a, a, your lowly Division Three, sir. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, we it, we mostly deal with the Division Three stuff, sure. But it, uh, you know, we just we try and do some things that maybe aren't covered by. SIDs or or conference commissioners SIDs that to promote you know, just some good things that and you know, student athletes or coaches are doing. We we honestly try and promote some things that that coaches are doing because sometimes coaches don't want to talk about themselves whether it's you know milestone wins or things they're doing in the community. So we we try and do do a fair amount with that, and then it it morphs over into doing some things with the with the All Star Game and with the Distinguished Service Award for the for the coaches award. Um, obviously, part of that as well. You're on the uh, the executive committee for the NABC Division Three All Star Game, which is 
I can't remember what year it's in now. Your yeah, involvement and your role there. Sure, it's it's a pretty cool deal. You know, you've been down there. It's a really yeah. neat experience for for the kids. So, I do kind of three things. One is we do the, the D three hoops online vote, which you know kind of varies from year to year. But we've had you know always up to fifty, sixty thousand hits on the votes on the website. Where uh, it's kind of an at large situation mm-hmm. where kids can get voted in. I think that's really neat. It's created a lot of uh, involvement on people's campus, alumni involvement, campus involvement. Um, so I do apart with that and then some of just the administration of the game and then we pick two retired coaches to coach in the game we're usually retired coaches and usually we right <laughs> t- take them down yeah if we can and it's a really neat experience for them and you know just to kind of be back in the game and they do a clinic down there and so we get all the promotion stuff out on on those guys and the people that win the distinguished service award which is kind of a, almost our version of a lifetime achievement award but also games turned into a really really good deal for the kids we've got a lot of support from Reese's and ABC, and we, we really take care of the guys and you know, all their expenses. Everything's taken care of. They're treated very well, and they do a fair amount of community service down there, too. So it's kind of a, a worldly life experience for them. And um, so we, we get information out on the kids once they're selected, get it to their schools and local papers, and try and get them a little recognition. You should point out also it gives them a chance for a senior, for example, to get to Salem that might have been the goal and couldn't with sure. their team. That gives them a chance yeah. to. Say they got to Salem, and again, it's seniors. That way, you guys can pay for those expenses uh, without any NCA violations. It's been a big hit, Dan. I know a lot of people uh, were itching to try and find a way to get rid of that consolation game. I know the WBCA is now looking at trying to do a, a similar type game themselves. You got to be pretty pleased with how this has turned out, and it was gangbusters from the very first game. Well, it's awesome. It really has, and you know, it's funny. We we keep getting more and more people. Uh, you know, when kids aren't getting selected or people talking and interested. <laughs> so we think that must be a good thing that, yeah. that kids are going down there and having a good experience. And, um, you know, we get really good feedback from the coaches of whose players have been involved. And it's a chance for coaches to go, you know, see their guys and, you know, kind of cultivate and finish their relationship with, with their players. They're One last time they're down there and supporting their guys. We introduce them all at halftime. We do a lot of stuff with the Special Olympics down there and for, you know, for our student athletes to see there's you know another another side of things kind of opens their eyes it's 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 really really good and it's grown and grown and Salem's it's a great place to do it and it's been a really you know for any coach as a kid that has a chance to, to be in it it's a really really good experience for him well he even got a chance to have that game take place when we had the only the uh, final four sure. there not the championship which is a nice yeah. touch uh, yeah. as well uh, you're also involved with plenty of stuff at home and one of them is near and dear to your heart in the sense that it's it's a fellow coach involved yeah. uh, coming up uh, next week a span of six days the north coast north coast athletic conference will team with the ohio athletic conference the two and the ncac and the oac uh, to raise funds for leukemia and lymphoma society all in the name of damon goodman who we may remember at capital uh, has stepped aside this year to battle his own form of leukemia. Um, and obviously, this is a big cause. It's suits and, and um, sneakers. So, as yeah. everybody knows, you'll all yeah. be wearing suits and a, a pair of sneakers. And on one day, you're all wearing orange ties. Yeah, we hope so. It's The suits and sneakers is a, a national, you know, divisional deal, division yep. one, two, and three. So, everyone, we hope, participates in that. And that's just a whole cancer awareness thing where you'll see, you know, all, all, the, all the head coaches a lot of assistance from from all the divisions. So we thought this was kind of a chance during this week when we're 
trying to promote cancer awareness and raise funds that we could try and help Damon out. So he was diagnosed with what's called hairy cell leukemia in yeah. the fall. It's a pretty treatable form of cancer, but yep. still still battle form, still still a tough deal. Still cancer. And still cancer. Cancer's cancer, and he's hanging in there. It's a you know, tough deal for his family. But they're battling, so we're all, all the schools are going to do some kind of fundraising event. They're at one of their home games that week. The goal is not necessarily the total amount of money, but just kind of a sign of support and sure. show, show our own student-athletes that uh, trying to do their part. And then on that Saturday, leukemia is the, kind of the, the orange is the leukemia color. Yep. So we're asking all the coaches to, uh, whether it's their school colors or not, <laughs> to wear an orange tie. <laughs> on that For most so of them, it's not. <laughs> most of them, it's not. There's a few people that have people in the league that it is, and they're uh, – Begrudgingly gonna wear their wear their opponents' colors. I was gonna say they're gonna be playing against them. Uh, they'll be playing. Yeah, so you know, how Northern's orange, that's my alma mater. So the OEC guys will have to have to bite the bullet there for a little bit. But it's for a good cause. David's a tough guy. Nice. He's hanging in there. So we're we're happy to do it. No, it's actually a terrific cause, and it's great that uh, obviously you said treatable. We hope to see Damon back on the sideline. Uh, certainly great, though, that you guys think about these things and try and, and give back in any way, shape, or form. That seems to be very synonymous, not only with, with coaches in general, but certainly the NABC and your that group that kind of runs the Division Three side of things. Well, we do, and it's... You know, we all get in our own little world sometimes yeah. and think the next loss is, you know, your world's coming to an end <laughs> and, and all that. And, you know, Damon's a really fiercely competitive guy, so I think he's a good example that, you know, there's, there's a lot of world out there and, um, you know, we're all really competing against each other. But, you know, what really matters, and I, I think in this whole Division three experience or student-athlete experience or whatever level, we, we would be cheating our kids if we aren't talking to them about, sure. you know, what really matters, them doing their part. And, um, you know, cancer affects a lot of people, but just – just that whole life experience for our guys. I think it's a pretty good, pretty good opportunity to do it. Well, this is the part of the segment that I enjoy the most. I get to ask some both probing and fun questions for okay. you. It's, it's our, it's our. I want to say eight questions. I don't. I lose track. It depends on how I ask these questions. Okay. Ends I'll up in it. So, but but you you ready to have a little fun? I got it. Yep. We'll start with an easy one. What's what's your favorite thing about coaching, especially at the Division Three level? Well, I'd say it's probably relationships with our guys. I'd, I would hope that's how it is for most coaches. But uh, relationship with your players, honestly, relationship with, with other coaches. Like I said, we all get competitive with each other. But mm-hmm. uh, I've got some former players out there now that are that are coaches, former assistants that are head coaches. So uh, I, I enjoy that part immensely too. What's your biggest pet peeve as a coach? Oh wow! I guess I can't say officials. That would get me in trouble. I don't uh, know. You kind of <laughs> just did. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, the, the, I'd say probably the thing that wears us down the most is the thing we like the most, you know, the grind. I don't know if that's a pet peeve, but, you know, it wears you down and wears you down, and just basketball's a long season and, and grinding out. So I don't know if that's my pet peeve, but that's certainly the hardest uh, hardest part of the whole, whole deal for us. Sure. Uh, the next two, uh, the caveat being that obviously I understand that, that the rules have gone through a number of changes, and they probably will in the next year and a half when we get new sets of rules. But is there any... <laughs> rule or even a nuance of the game that you truly love um you know that, that that's a good question i i i really wasn't a, a huge fan of this 30 second shot clock when it came in but i don't think it's it certainly hasn't hurt and i think in some ways maybe it's it's helped and um you know I, honestly i think our officials have done a really good job this year i hope this continues because the game seems to be a bit bit more free-flowing and a bit uh 
you know, a bit, I would say pure is maybe a little bit of overstatement, but I, I think that has really helped. I think, you know, at least in our league, our officials have done a really good job, and I think it's it's helped our game, and, and I hope it hope that, that part continues. And the emphasis on skill, I guess, is, you know, something I think that continues to need to be cultivated and people be able to shoot it and pass it and play basketball like that. Is there any rule that you'd love to see changed, removed, maybe even added um, coming up? Uh, that, that's a, um, a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's a good question. You know, we, we changed this charge block call a year ago, and yeah. I think that was probably probably for the better. They're going to move the arc out next yep. year, which which I think that's a good thing. That there's very very few calls actually happen in that three foot restricted arc, right. so um, so I think that helps. I think at some point the post play thing needs to probably get addressed. I think they've done the rules committee and the officials of handling stuff that happens on the ball and the dribblers is. Protect how they should be. That the post play gets to be a little bit of a little bit of a scrum this yeah. time of year too, particularly. So, I, I would hope that gets maybe that gets addressed a little bit as we we move forward. Um, your wife is watching the game. What would she like to see you change on the bench as you as a coach? Oh, geez, my language, baby. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, she she's uh she watches a lot of games. I got three little kids too, so um, you know she uh she may tells me. Tells me to calm down once in a while, but uh, um, you know intensity is okay for our, our young people once uh, once in a while. So sure. maybe, maybe stay maybe stay in the coaching box a little bit more would be her maybe her, her number one number one <laughs> number one priority and um, maybe not lose as much hair. I'm I'm getting on the short end of a little yeah, bit, so it's yeah. like me to try and stay calm and keep keep as much as I can. What about your assistant coaches? What would they want to see you change? Uh, you know I've I've had actually I've had a my three years here, I've had uh, at six or my six years here, I've had three of them. They're all, they're all, uh, they're all pretty good. So I don't know. I guess you'd have to ask Kevin what what he would want me to, <laughs> what, what he would want me to change. I, I would say he'd he'd probably like for me to stay on stay on point a little bit. I have a tendency to jump around from topic to topic with him, and uh, I'm a runner, so he always knows when I've been out running. I go for long runs, and I come back with hundreds of mul- ideas. multitudes of ideas, yes. <laughs> and he, he, when it seems I come back, he knows I've been out running again, so I think if he could change one thing, he would just tell me to not think of so many so many <laughs> new, new ideas when I'm out on those, those long runs. Or have a meeting with you before the run. Yes, before that, and get yeah. it all out, or just listen to music or something. There you that go. would maybe better. What can you say to a ref that you know will get your message across but will not garner a T? I mean, we're talking about dancing on the line here. Yeah, that's uh, those are good uh, good questions. Um, I, I don't I don't know if there's one thing. I guess you could you could say. I guess uh, I guess one thing I have learned is that everybody's a little bit different, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> there's a I've, I've coached in multiple different states now, yeah. so everybody's everybody's a little bit different. I probably have a little bit more leeway the older older I've got so um you know I don't know if there's one I, I guess the approach of humor probably helps more than the approach of antagonizing in, in, in so I don't know if it's the the verbiage or the, the approach is probably okay. probably the key for me finally when you do retire what do you hope people remember you as a coach well I hope they remember I cared about the guys uh that more so than anything and uh, I hope they remember that we were re- really competitive and um I hope my players remember like this perspective thing we have that i have i have three kids myself we always talk about you know what what's really important for them is their academic mission 
it's our family, um, basketball. But when we're when we're doing basketball, that's the number one most important thing for them. And I've tried to live my life like that with my family. Um, certainly between the lines, that's the absolute most important thing we're doing at that time. So, but I hope they remember that my family's been pretty important to me and tried to work pretty hard with my wife raising our our three kids. So I hope hope that message gets across to my uh, to my players after after gone. I hope people that see us whether we've won loss like how we've played or whatever that they they think that we've we've worked at it we've been competitive and that we certainly have have cared about the guys right well i certainly hope that they'll remember that as well i appreciate you taking the time out of this coach to to chat with us and uh, kind of get us ready for the big ncac oac um uh challenge for lack of a better description next week uh and get us an idea of who your team is and the, and the conference etc as always we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in no, I just, uh, you know, I really appreciate what, what you guys do because I have a little bit closer involvement or awareness, I guess, of what your show does, what you guys do, what D3 Hoops does. I think we've got a pretty pretty good game, pretty special sport. So, um, again, I have a little bit more of awareness because my deal with the All-Star game and mm-hmm. seeing things a little bit firsthand. But it's it's a good deal, which everybody does, and brings really good awareness. And we've, we we have, you know, pretty good fan base out there throughout the country and it's what we do in division three is pretty good so we I, I appreciate the awareness and what it does for the for the student athletes well thank you sir certainly easy to do when coaches like yourself are willing to come on the show i good. always enjoy seeing you in salem i I, I know i'll see you in salem maybe we'll run into each other before then as well sure i hope so definitely take care sir i take and uh we'll talk soon thanks Dave. dan priest joining us from kenyon again team is seven to nine overall four and five but more importantly big opportunity next week raise money for uh, cancer awareness, especially leukemia and lymphoma, coming up in the NCAC and OAC, all in the name of Damon Goodwin, uh, the head coach for Capital, who's taken a sabbatical this year to battle his own leukemia, as we talked about. Uh, good causes all around, and despite having to wear orange for some, it'll be nice to see those uh, coaches uh, dress up and dress down, dress in suits while wearing sneakers, all for a good cause. When we come back, plenty more hoops will ahead. Um, I can't remember where we go to next, to be completely honest, but I'm sure we'll tweet it out momentarily on our Twitter, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Of course, you can email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, and follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville, right after this. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division Three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. I want to thank uh, Dan Priest earlier, talking to him out of the Great Lakes region. Certainly enjoyed a chat with him. Uh, again, the Coach's Corner brought to you by the NABC. We're going to stay with men's basketball. We're going to slide east a little bit and talk to a team that's going to be affected by the winter storm this weekend, but not actually affected by the winter storm this weekend. It's probably a good thing. I don't know if anybody wants to really play. Uh, like coming right now, they are one of the hotter teams in men's basketball. They have been at the beginning of the season, been one of the nicer surprises, to say the least. On a five-game winning streak, 14-3 and overall, 6-2 and in conference action. And joining us on Skype is their head coach, Guy Rancourt. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Dave, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time, especially via Skype, which is always nice, as they say. Um, yeah, I mean, this is one heck of a start of the season for you guys. You've got to be pleased with how this is, has turned out for you. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been good. You know, and, and, and having so much youth, uh, no seniors in our starting group, uh, it's really been a positive, and they've been coming together really well. When you guys started this season, I'll be honest, you guys came out like a shotgun. Uh, I don't think a lot of high expectations were there for you, but you start off with a 3-0 and start. You lose a tough game to Susquehanna, which now doesn't look all that bad whatsoever, certainly. Um, you then get into conference play. You beat Alvernia and Stevenson. You lost to Arcadia, but then you got back on the horse with wins over Gordon, Penn College. Uh, Washington College, SUNY Old Westbury, you just kind of, you didn't let the losses affect you guys. You were kind of the quiet team in the Mid-Atlantic that everybody was talking about but didn't know how to read into it. What was your thought on the start to the season? Well, I, I, we knew we needed some patience. You know, graduating a senior point guard last year, uh, you know, someone that's that's going to have the ball the majority of the time, uh, it was going to take a little learning curve. And I, I thought, you know, sharing it with, between David Johnson out of Philadelphia and Willie Key out of Baltimore. Um, I think they've done a wonderful job. And I, I think the step that they've made, in addition to another Baltimore Calvert Hall kid and, and TJ Duckett stepping in as a freshman and uh, playing very well for us, really helped. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. You look at, we'll talk more about your team in a bit as a roster. You certainly are willing to go very far locations to get teams. It's not like Williamsport exactly is a destination be-all for everybody. It is in the middle of Pennsylvania. Yes, it's got the Little League World Series, but after that age, they tend not to think about Williamsport. How hard is it to recruit to get teams to come up to Lycoming? You know, uh, and, and players and coming, I, I'm sure you mean. the. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's been wonderful. You know, in my eight years, just the transition of the college has been fabulous. And you know, with, with President Kent Trochte here now and Athletic Director Mike Clark, I mean, the, the college is in such a positive swing. And, and, you know, being a tier one academic school, we just get we get a different kind of kid. You know, so, someone that that appreciates a great education and, and wants to see how far their opportunities with basketball can go. We've been fortunate enough to have, you know, Kevin Anthony playing in Australia and multiple mm -hmm. guys offered uh, professional contracts upon graduating here and, and and accomplishing internships prior to getting to that graduation they have a great balance of uh, professional uh, and athletic uh, uh, opportunities ahead yeah, I mean we look at this roster you got guys from Harlem New York Philadelphia Upper Marlboro Maryland which is near you know which is part of Washington DC Baltimore Severna Park 
Jamaica, New York. You're down to Florida. You've got a guy out of Japan. You've got a, a, a gentleman out of Sweden, um, Pennsylvania, Ohio, more out of Maryland. You certainly spread the wealth. Yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, I've been very fortunate in my career to be able to be at Stony Brook University mm-hmm. and a, a great university there with Steve Peichel and with Leonard Hamilton at Florida State University for a few years. And, you know, in that time, developing those relationships, I maintained a lot of those relationships and it's been able to uh, provide some fruit for us here. And, and we've been able to kind of piece some guys from all over the world together. You've been here. This is your seventh season, I believe. You kind of had a up and down, but usually successful uh, all the way around. I mean, fourteen and three this season. You guys were a, a, not a surprising, but a quiet eighteen and eight last year in the tournament. Uh, you ended up being the number one team and just turned into that darn Alvernia squad once again, uh, who ended up ruining the day. How tough has this conference been for you guys? Uh, well, it, it's been a night in and night out grind as many conferences in the country are you know coaches get used to other coaches and the systems that they run and you know it's very difficult to get out of you know get out of your league and uh we have a lot of experience uh in in the coaches in our conference there's not a lot of turnover and uh you know yeah i mean uh, alvernia does a wonderful job stevenson widener lebanon valley arcade it's hard for me to choose one you know and uh you look at the teams that are struggling this year and within the last five years, they've won our conference. So uh, there is really no no off night. A uh, great example is last night, Lebanon Valley was sitting right on top just a few days ago. You know, we were able to, to, to win and, and move to that number one spot. And then they lost to the last place team last night. So yeah. uh, it's it's really in uh, kind of an any given Sunday situation. <laughs> that is the truth. And, and that's the craziness. And when we speak of it last year, Alvernia got on a roll once again and rolled through the top two seeds, yourselves and Stevenson, to win yet again a championship that no one saw coming. Um, and, of course, the, the disadvantage is the conference hasn't gotten a lot of at-large bids as of late because of that topsy-turviness, especially at the top. Is it, Are you guys almost kind of shooting yourselves in the foot a little bit that you don't have a dominant team that can take care of business and then everybody else can pick it up and maybe get an extra team into the into the tournament as a result? It does work against us, I believe, at times. Um, you know, actually, we were the last team to get it. Uh, Lycoming was probably about six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's a challenge, you know. And uh, our group has kind of uh, just gone this season, according to that mindset that we need to win every game. And and you know, if you want to be able to go to the NCAA tournament, you need to win that final game. Talking to Guy Rancourt. Uh, if anyone was curious, uh, he's also known as Charles, but he he goes by Guy. Guy Rancourt from Lycoming here, the men's basketball. Uh, you know, uh, at Lycoming, and, and you know, listen, we look at the Commonwealth standings. Um, you guys finished on top, but Stevenson was picked to finish first. You guys are you know up there. You're picked to finish second with Albright, Alvernia, Lebval, and the rest. But you look at the standings right now. You're on top of Arcadia, which is kind of surprising. I think a lot of people thought Arcadia was going to be good this year. Lebanon Valley's in the mix, and that's Alvernia. Stevenson, who's finally coming on after a really rough start to the season. Then Hood and the rest of the crew. You know, the Messiah, for example, a team that a couple of years ago was undefeated till about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through the season, is having a 5-12 and season. The turnover is is incredible sometimes in this conference. Yeah, uh, and, and you do your best to try and be stable. You know? <laughs> uh, the, the, this year... Um, has been good for us. You know, it was a big concern last year, having yeah. so many freshmen, having 10 freshmen on the roster, uh, you know, being able to finish in that first place spot. Uh, we we kind of went into this season 
uh, preaching that there was going to be a bullseye on us, that, that there was going to be a lot of expectations from other teams and other teams that wanted to kind of get back at what happened last year. And fortunately for us right now, we're, we're first in scoring, first in rebounding, first in turnover margin. And, and with all those firsts, we don't have anyone in the top 10 in scoring. Uh, we have five players averaging double figures, and I think that makes us a really hard team to prepare for and, and to defend against. Perfect transition for me to talk about this squad. Yes, you have three seniors, but obviously it's underclassmen who are the bulk of this team. Um, you, you talk about a lot of freshmen last year. You still have a lot of freshmen. You have a host of juniors and a handful of sophomores. You talk about the five guys in double figures. Um, you've got uh, Nicholas King, 13.2 points a game and six and a half rebounds. TJ Duckett, 12.3 points a game, two and a half, three rebounds a game. Both guys will hand out assists as well and get steals. Uh, David Johnson, same kind of player, 12 points a game, 4.2 rebounds, hands out assists at three and a half a game, plus gets steals uh, at, at nearly the same clip. Uh, 10.5 points for Alex Newbold. Uh, and 10 points, we're going to call it for Chris Wallace. It's technically 9.8, but you know those are those, and both those last two guys are hauling down six rebounds. You look at your roster, got a lot of guards, not a lot of forwards. You look at the scoring, got a lot of guys who are scoring double figures. A lot of guys will grab rebounds. A lot of guys will hand out of assists. Seems very balanced. Yeah, uh, I think it's one of those situations where you don't uh, judge the dog in the fight. You know, you judge the <laughs> fight in the dog, and uh, you know we, we are not going to be the team to overpower you with size. You know, walking onto the floor. Uh, I firmly believe that if you're a team that has to coach effort, you're not going to be a successful team. And fortunately, with the with the young men we have here, we haven't had to do that in the past few years, and we've been able to get a string of success together. Yeah, you only have what, two guys at 6'6", six, six, another guy at 6'7". The rest of the squad is pretty much around the 6'2 mark. You don't have size. Is this a speed game for you guys? Is this a, is this a discipline and move as much as we can on offense until we find a hole type team? What, what, kind of, what are we looking at when we watch the Warriors? Well, we, we like having uh, young men that come from... from from great programs uh, being with us, and and with that, uh, an understanding of how to play the game. You know, so uh, when we can get you know a, a couple players from John Bowersfeld and Calvert Hall, or, or Mike Jones at Dematha, or you know um, Christ the King and Joe Arbatello, you know, it, it, they're coming from programs where they're used to being successful. They understand the level that it takes uh, from an effort perspective. So I, I think it's a combination of uh, not only a team that's going to constantly play right to the very end, but also a team that understands how to play and has a skill set that they're not going to panic when when an offense doesn't work right or when a defense breaks down. They, they, they understand what they need to do to adjust. you got a couple of interesting games ahead of you. You're at Stevenson and Al Alvernia. We'll talk about the specifics of the Stevenson game in a minute, but more about the generality here. You're talk taking on a Stevenson squad, picked to finish first, has struggled starting the season, but seems to have woken up a little bit. You've got an Alvernia squad that may not have a good record, but this is about every single season the point that they wake up. This is a, an interesting test for you, even if it doesn't look like it on paper. Absolutely. You know, this, Stevenson uh, has, has the most talent in the league. You know, they, they're just very athletic, very big. They're going to run up and down the floor, and, and uh, they just don't stop. You know, and, um, and Alvernia, Alvernia struggled early on. They had some injury issues. Plus, when you pick up a Division One transfer just a couple weeks ago. Exactly. Uh, with, with 28 points last night, uh, certainly makes your team a lot better. So... <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's going to be uh, going down to the stretch where if you look at the records, 
you're, you're going to be in a, a, a significant disadvantage of, of, of what should be coming ahead of you. And the, and the interesting thing about the Stevenson game, while this major blizzard, and I say blizzard because where I am sitting, we are under a blizzard watch, um, which hasn't happened apparently here since 93, but whatever. Um, the fact that there's a blizzard here will postpone your game against Stevenson. Uh, I will say the caveat that we are pre-taping this and that hasn't been decided, but if it's not postponed, we're crazy. Um, you've got to adjust this game. How hard is it with conference schedules the way they're designed that give very little kind of buffer to be able to shift a game yeah one day you hope you can get it in if you can't get it in the next day you're you're in a tough bind yeah and and you know with, with the layout in our format of playing on wednesdays and saturdays typically sunday for us is that day that we can give them a day off and and academically shift over and make sure uh they have everything in order academically to make to, to ensure that they're, that they're doing fine in the classroom mm-hmm. well that, that might have to change this week. We're hoping the next day of being Sunday will be a day we can play. If not, we're going to have to look to during the week again. And, and we just don't like doing that. When you're traveling over three hours to, to play a game, uh, over three hours there, over three hours back, plus the game, kids are going to be tired when they get back that night and you know be able to turn around, get up for class that next morning and make sure uh, that, that you're focused and attentive. Uh, it, it's hard. So so the best, the best opportunity, uh, hopefully for us, will be Sunday and uh, you're right. You're right. Fitting in games when the weather kicks in is certainly a challenge for all for all Division three schools and all, and all colleges for that matter. Well, I was going to say that's the other trick of this whole thing is finding the dates to fit in. You do have a calendar. You're supposed to give the guys off, so now you're pushing that into a Monday. You have a game on a Wednesday. You don't have a lot of time for a practice before that next game Wednesday. This has a trickle down effect. And of course, they're also talking about a storm in the middle of the week. Who knows if that's true? But this thing can get rolling a little bit, and at this time of year, there's not a, wig- a lot of wiggle room. How do you keep the guys mentally kind of in gear to, to adjust to all of this? Well, fortunately, the weather's always great here in Williamsport. <laughs> so sure it is. We don't have any snow coming up here. You guys are dealing with a foot. They're saying flurries here, so uh, it won't affect our guys at all. They're going to be able to get in the gym and get to the library and do all the things they need That's to do. That's true. You guys are expecting nothing out of this thing. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it'll it'll be our turn eventually. But fortunately, you know, we, we should be okay this time around. And, uh, yeah, you, you just have to make the best of situations and Mother Nature. And, uh, you know, like, like you know, you and I were able to mention off, off camera, you know, hey, if it snows, at least Charlie, Kevin, and Emma, my little guys, at least they're going to be able to play with me for a little bit. <laughs> That's true. You get a little bit of family time. Uh, yes. Quickly about the region, uh, you guys actually have one of the furthest trips in the uh, in the Commonwealth uh, from where you are in Williamsport to trips like Hood and Frederick and Stevenson outside of Baltimore. But as far as the region, you're pretty much right in the heart of it, or at least on the northern side of the, of the bulk of it. Have you gotten a chance to look at how this region's breaking down? Uh, who's good, who's not, where you think you position yourselves. I know regional rankings out, aren't out for weeks, so I'm not expecting that kind of mentality. But just where do you think you fit in this? Where do you think the conference fits in all this this year? Well, uh, the Middle Atlantic has is, is just been very good for a long time, I believe. You know, And um, you know, as you mentioned, we played Susquehanna earlier in the year, and uh, we were very impressed with Susquehanna and how balanced they are. And, um, you know, you have... Uh, uh, Scranton right up the road and uh, several other really good schools and, and, and the balance in our, in our, in our league. So, um, you know, Juniata is also having a very good season this year. So it, it's, it's, uh, as you mentioned, we're certainly centrally located in the heart of it all. Uh, I, I'm happy to be a part of it all. And, and I'm not sure where it's going to play out. I, I think 
uh, as as we said earlier, um, it's hard to get out of your league, you know, and, and to win, you know, when there is parity and balance and these coaches understand what you want to do and, and then the players get used to each other that second time around, which we'll start with with Stevenson. There's certainly going to be there's certainly going to be guys that remember the last game. So um, I'm not sure where those regional rankings are going to lie, and I'll let the quote unquote experts take care of that, and we'll just try and do our best from one game to the next. How much pressure is there to make the NCAA tournament after the success you guys have had? I think the pressure is is, is self inflicted. Sure. You know, again, a, a great a great part of being here at Lightcombing is they want to make sure we have young men. Uh, high character that that you know have an opportunity to be successful. You know the wins, the losses, uh, they're learning experiences. You know, so uh, I think you know, the administration here is very supportive. Uh, the fans are great. The students are wonderful. You know, and, and they they're just happy that they're they're part of a winner, and and we're happy that that they're happy for us. You know, uh, internally, absolutely. Do you want to get over that hump? Uh, there's no doubt about it. And and uh, I think our guys. Being so many freshmen as they were last year and, and so many returners for this year, um, how much will they remember how last year ended? Uh, we just have to we just have to hope and, and focus to try and learn from that experience. Yeah, certainly not the ending you guys are hoping for, but it's certainly out of the gate. Uh, the start that you certainly wanted, I know, and at this point in the season, I know you're probably pretty pleased with how it's all going. Uh, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, I know you've got a lot of work ahead of you guys to figure out schedules and all that stuff. Uh, I don't want to take any more of your time, but as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I just want to thank you, Dave, thank Hoopsville and the NABC for supporting uh, everything you guys do and and give us uh, you know a, a mic, a microphone and a, and a voice. And uh, um, if you haven't seen a Division three basketball game in a while, I strongly encourage you to go out and see one. Well said. Uh, maybe the storm will encourage some people to do that. Uh, appreciate you taking the time, Coach. Take care, uh, and we'll go, we'll look forward to watching the Warriors down the road and seeing where this all plays out in the end. Thanks, Dave. That is Guy Rancourt joining us here on Hoops. We'll appreciate him taking the time, getting the team off. Not off. I mean, we're well into the season here. 14-3 and three overall. Uh, we'll see when they play Stevenson. They also have Alvernia ahead as well on two road games uh, coming up. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears. Go women's basketball. You're listening to Hoops. Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Presented by coming out of the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville right after this. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. I'm a current Division III student-athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first-year student-athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. 
from eastern to occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Hope you're enjoying the show. Don't forget, interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. There is a chat room if you're directly on our YouTube page. We try and monitor it. It may take us a while to remember, oh, we got to go look at it. But if you make a comment there, we'll certainly try and get back to you. We realize it may take a while, but nonetheless, we love to interact with you. Don't forget, a week from tonight, we will be well into our 12-hour marathon at this point in time. Thinking about wrapping up those 12 hours. We'll be about 10 some odd hours into the show. Hope you'll enjoy uh, join us on Thursday, the 28th of January, as we start at 10 a.m. Eastern and go until at least 10 p.m. Eastern as well. As we uh, cover Division Three with our now annual marathon show, part of the Hoopsville fundraising campaign, which will kick off between now and then as well. Going to switch gears now. We're going to start talking women's basketball, and we're going to jump from uh, East Coast all the way out to the middle of the country, talk West Region basketball. And when you talk West Region basketball, you got to be checking out the uh, Iowa Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, because I think for, for a lot of people, they would say it's not turning out like they expected it as we get to the closing uh, weeks of January here. Um, we knew it was going to be a good race at the top, but it's a little topsy-turvy, and one of those teams who's at the top Though took a tough loss last night to Loris to now fall into a tie is Luther. And joining us on the Hoopsville hotline is Luther's head coach, Amanda Lor- Amanda Bailey. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm sure I'm doing probably a little bit better than you are today. <laughs> yeah, definitely a tough night last night, but yeah. road trip, morning comes early. you got to get right back at I it. I was going to say morning does come early, especially, I mean, half a second left on the clock. Just a great effort to get the shot off. Obviously, you don't want it to be that close. That's a tough loss, though. Uh, and I know you haven't really had a chance to talk to the team besides the bus ride home, but is that one you guys can shake off easily? Uh, I think at this point in the season right now, we have to. Sure. Um, we'll be hitting the road again, uh, going to Simpson on Saturdays, which is yeah. another tough place to play. And in our conference, um, road games are tough. And, you know, you, always, you wish you could play every game at home, but when you go on uh, another team's court and probably don't play the best basketball game you can and, and come up two points short, um, yeah. it's definitely a game we will have to learn from and shake off. You know, last season, 23-6 and six overall. You ended up second in the conference when you finished the regular season. Uh, but got uh, through the conference title game with a win over Wartburg and got to the NCAA tournament, got past St. Norbert before losing to St. Thomas. It was certainly a season uh, of success. You were named IAAC Coach of the Year. Um, besides a, a, a run in the middle of losing three out of four, your team was one of the better teams in the West region. Um, I assume you expected to build out of that. I'm pretty sure the conference expected you to build out of that, but this is not an easy conference. Wartburg's good. Loris has proven that they're good this season. Um, of course, Simpson, you're going to be playing, and Buena Vista has been in the conversation. Coe has an incredible 11 and 5 record, yet they're two and three in the conference. This is a fascinating conference to look at in the top two thirds. Yeah, year in and year out, it, it kind of seems like we beat up on each other quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, kind of looking at last year, we were picked at the bottom of the conference and made a nice run. No one would have ever thought that. Um, coming into this year, a lot of returning players for us. And, you know, I think game in and game out, still trying to figure some things out. 
um, we, we have a, a great conference right now, and you know, the top is strong. And as you said, BV, who probably in the beginning of the year, a team that people were going to count out, they're, yeah. they're dangerous. They're dangerous on at home. They're dangerous on the road. Um, they're just you know another one of those teams that are able to come out very athletic. Um, our, our coaches in our conference do a great job of mm. of scouting each other. And like I said, we we really beat up on each other a lot in conference. It's you know a lot of matchups are are some teams will struggle with some, and it keeps things interesting. Uh, you guys started the preseason in the top 25 in the WBCA poll at number 21 and number 23 in D3 hoops. You were picked to be first in the conference. You mentioned BV. They were picked to be seventh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Loris was picked to be third, and we said it's already kind of on its head a little bit in this conference. When you look back and look at it now, you're tied with Loris at 4-1. and one. Wartburg and Simpson are tied at 3-2 and two with BV. Uh, and then Coe, like I said, 11 and 5, 2 and 3 on the season. They were supposed to be at least fourth, maybe best in the in the in the conference. And you talk about beating up, but that can come with a double-edged sword and kind of ruin anybody's chances of making the NCAA tournament, too. Right, right. It's it's tough when um you know, we're, everyone's beating each other and maybe not getting the the respect uh you know, we have yeah. three four teams that are up there, but when we're splitting games with them and we're um you know, any team can come in from the bottom and knock you down. It, it makes it it makes it tough in in the the rankings. But in, in the Iowa Conference, the biggest thing is kind of taking care of yourself night in and night out um, because you don't know what's going to happen on the other side, and you can't count on somebody taking care of business in order to, to help you out. Or, um, yeah, it, it's it's tough. And we're not even talking about Wartburg. I mean, not Dubuque. I mean, who right. who won the conference regular season last year. He only has five wins on the season this year. I'm trying to remember if anybody made the NCAA tournament besides you guys. I don't think they did nope. last year. Nope. Um, so obviously the pressure is on a little bit. You, you take this loss, Dolores. It ends a four-game winning streak. You had two losses earlier in the season, uh, back-to-back, and a, and a single loss earlier. If we back the train up a little bit, start the season 4-0, St. Olaf tripped you. And, of course, that's a pretty good St. Olaf squad. Mm-hmm. Um, then in the middle of the season, you went and played your alma mater and your alma mater's rival. Uh, yep. Stevens Point and Whitewater, and they unceremoniously sent you back from Wisconsin with two losses. What did you guys learn from those two games uh, against Stevens Point and Whitewater that you're trying to still use now? I think that was a tough time in the season for us. We had just come off of a, a real long Christmas break yeah. and maybe longer than it should have been, and we're a little flat. Um, <laughs> Stevens Point was physical, and, you know, we, we always talk about how our team is scrappy, and mm-hmm. we use the term grit a lot to try to, to go, and, and if we don't come out with that, you know, a little bit of a chip on our shoulder because we're, we're a smaller team, we will get, you know, outmatched physically. Sure. So that's something that, you know, you never want to take a loss, and those, you know, the Whitewater double overtime was it was a fantastic game to be a part of. It mm-hmm. was um, back and forth, exciting, and you always hope that you come out on, on the right end of it, but they are good games to have early on before conference play because um, we're going to see a lot of those when it mm-hmm. comes down the stretch. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's a different look there with Stevens Point and Whitewater, which in a tough WIAC conference with Oshkosh, mm-hmm. um, and, and obviously Stevens Point, you know well, you know what Shirley's going to throw at yeah. you since you, you played with Shirley and won a title up there yep. at Stevens Point. But does that, make, does that almost make you second-guess What's going to happen? I mean, you know Shirley so well. You know that program so well. You know Whitewater as a result of that so well. Does that make you second guess what you're seeing in scouting reports or think, ah, you know what, I don't think that's going to happen this time? No, 
I think with the style that we play, um, we don't have room for second guessing. <laughs> okay. We we're, we're all about reacting and trying to play up tempo and fast. And if we overload our kids with uh, you know scouts of <laughs> sure. what we think, I mean, it's one thing for me to sit back and overthink everything. Sure. <laughs> um, but to have them on the court and to lose that reaction time yeah. would really play negatively against us. And like I said, I think those games where we just came out flat mm. after a long break and um, and kind of. Yeah, it took two, took two right there. So. Yeah, it definitely took two. You bounced yeah. back. You got the win over Central a week later after the Whitewater game, 65-39, then beat Dubuque, Wartburg, and Co. before Loris came back and, and nipped you, as we mentioned. Let's talk about your squad. You look at the roster, by the way. I don't think there's enough room for all your players. <laughs> yeah, uh, it never. looks <laughs> looks like you have a bit of a lacrosse program, yeah. uh, a soccer program with all these teams on here, uh, or names, I should say. But And even when you look at how many you've played, you have gone deep in the bench in a number of games, and you go deep in the bench every game. Um, quickly doing math, I've got, I'm well, I'm probably at 10 or more that have played 12 of your 16 games. Right, right. Yeah, we've got 25 players on our team, uh, which is a, it's a large team. <laughs> yeah, large you've got two basketball and, teams, essentially, yeah. with reserves. Which, which is great for us. And you think at practice, um, you can have your, your top <laughs> five and your next five going against each other, but they never get to play yeah. together. And when we do go into a rotation of 10, 11, 12, um, I mean, we have a very unselfish group. And, and of those 25 players, they come in and work hard, and they know that they're making – each other better so it's given us opportunity to run to play full court to um, be competitive every single day and yeah I think sometimes they get mad at me when I will you know suit up 21 kids and they don't have enough spaces in the book and they're trying to figure that one out but yeah um, I mean that's that's what's been good for us that's what our momentum um, you know from practice into games and so yeah hopefully 25 is about that number we'll stay stay at that's pretty impressive I mean you played 13 in and 12, at least 12 of the 16 games, you've played 13 players. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a handful who've gotten some some minutes after that and some game action after that. Yeah, they only make the book 15 deep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when if you make the NCAA tournament, you're going to pair that back right. even further. But let's talk about the leaders. Um, Moran, Moran Loning, Loning, I, I apologize, yep. blew that right out of the water. I blew out the tougher <laughs> or the easier name. Uh, Lonning is leading the team, a senior, 11.8 points a game, 6.6 rebounds a game. You get Kylie uh, Romeo, 11.1, 4.5 uh, rebounds a game. Uh, by the way, you should mention uh, both of them will hand out a ton of assists. Lonning is averaging nearly three assists a game, if I do my math quick. Um, Taylor Jenks and Anna, uh, is it Mandrigal? Um, 9.6 points a game. Both of them, Mandrigal, is uh, also uh, 4.6 rebounds a game. All of them hand out of assists. This is a very well-balanced squad, especially for a team that is is as big as it is and definitely not as senior-laden as you would expect. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to us. We never know who's going to be our leading scorer or leading rebounder or leading assist, and it's, it's, it's been fun. Um, they pick each other up. If someone's hot, they find each other. Like I said, very, very unselfish. Uh, they know when they go out. They, they work hard. Someone else is going to come in. They're going to work hard, and, and, and they're going to continue to get those opportunities. And um, it's been fun because, they, like I said, they just feed off of each other and find each other and know that, you know, someday it might be their day to have 20 points. Another day they, might, they may not score, um, just depending on what the defense, you know, if they pick your poison, who are you going to key in on when 
when they're all very similar in kind of what they can do and um yeah, it's it's nice to have that balance. Yeah, first six games. I mean, you've had six different leading scores in a game this season, and in the first, uh, I think it was six. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six. And in the first seven games, six of them score with a high score. So you clearly have options. That's got to give fits for other teams when they not only have to prepare for the starting lineup, they got to start. For, they got to prepare for that second group of players too. Right, because no matter which five players we have on the floor, it just changes up. Um offensive looks and it will even change up our defense a little bit because mm. they all bring something completely different and we can can lean on that and um not allow someone to get too comfortable you got to have players who can be then flexible i mean this isn't like a, a system orientated team like a north central plays where you can have five come in they're used to playing together and then you have the next five come in but they're all playing a system as well you talk about changing up defenses based on who's on the floor that means the rest of the squad's got to be adaptable as well yeah, this is this is such a group that has come together. Um, there are times I'll come into the locker room at halftime and, and they're coaching each other and they're saying things that I would have been saying <laughs> but now no longer have to. I think they, they made my job a lot easier um, because they really have taken ownership in, in how we play and what, what we do and they really believe in it. So it's, it's been fun to see. Uh, I was going to say, does that mean the Coach of the Year award goes to the whole team? Yeah, I think you know my student assistant would, would – would take that one right there too. <laughs> there you go. That's not not a bad one to put on your resume if you're a student no. assistant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, tough loss to Loris. You mentioned that one on the road. Of course, you will hit the road against Simpson before returning home next week for two. Uh, Buena Vista and Loris will be at home. You kind of alternate the home and away schedule here. Uh, you're in the midst of the two away. You'll be home for two, then away for two, home for two, then finish away for two. Certainly uh, nice and easy that way. And you were about to kind of start into the second round robin. How much harder is the second part of this round robin than the first? You know, it's it's really difficult because even though you know the returners all remember how you played, the first years now have an idea that the team has either some confidence or, you know, like I said, a chip on their shoulder and they want to come out. Um, you can scout an opponent against a, a different opponent, but when you can scout them against yourselves, you, you can pick up on a lot of things, mm. figure out how they beat you, how they didn't, um, and and. and comes up in a tighter game so it's fun um you know i think everyone every conference just loves getting into conference play and you know the teams more uh you probably have recruited some of the kids on on the other team and um you know them pretty well so yeah it, it gets to be a fun run obviously just five games into the conference schedule um you will officially start repeating it interestingly enough against loris um, a little bit different in the scheduling. It's it, it, you're going to play Loris here on the 20th, then you'll play him again 10 days later. Um, and some teams like Central, for example, you won't see for six weeks. So that kind of changes the dynamic too. You're going to have a fresh memory of Loris, but you may not have as much of a fresh memory of Central, despite the score. You're going to have to be ready for them as well. Yeah, I never know why they they do that. <laughs> it always seems like a very very quick turnaround with with one team each year. And then, yeah, you wait forever to, to see the other one, and, and they can change a ton in that time. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting schedule. How, how important is home court advantage? Obviously, last year winning the championship, you didn't have it. Um, but how important would it be to make sure everybody's coming through the Regent Center uh, this season than, than hitting the road? It's very important. I think every school in our conference plays really, really well at home. I mean, you practice there, you shoot there, you yeah. you, you got that routine down. You're not on the road. Um, 
and that's what we say. You, you have to take care of business at home. You've got to steal some games on the road. You've got to um, do everything that you can to take care of yourself so that at the end of the day, you know, you, you can set it up well. But, I mean, everyone's got that mentality, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be be tough with, with every road trip. Obviously, the West region is ginormous. Uh, I wouldn't expect you to have much knowledge on the Skyac or Northwest You've certainly dabbled with some of the central teams playing four YAC schools this year. Five, six. I'm sorry. Were you yep. in the YAC this season? Uh, <laughs> I know. It looks like it, you almost we were in the YAC we only this season. It was just Oshkosh and Stout, I think, that were the two teams that we, we missed out on. But being located where we are, that's those are our, our in-area games. Yeah. Um, but on top of those six games, you obviously played some uh, other conferences like the MIAC and Carrollton and St. Olaf. Do you have any idea of where you guys stand in the grand scheme of things? You know, I think there's a there's a lot of I think the WIAC is kind of crazy right now as well. Um, the MIAC, the, the top is playing very well, but there are some of those teams in the middle that are going to shake some things up. Um, yeah, it, it's tough to say. I, I really think it's a lot of of matchups, which teams match up, and who can be the most consistent throughout the season. Uh, finishing up here with Amanda Bailey, Luther women's head coach. Team is sitting on top of the IAAC, tied with Loris for the conference lead and obviously a lot of important games to go. Um, if it's not you, Coach, who's the team that you're most worried about in this conference uh, in what is, we've already described, a rather rather top-heavy two-thirds? Oh, gosh, I can only pick one. Um, well, I know. It's, it's a tr- well, if you have to pick six, go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think Loris is a very good team. Uh, they, they've got a lot of different weapons. Um, they have a different flow to it. I think Warburg's strong, and I think BV is very scary. Um, and not to mention Simpson. So there, there you go. Not quite six teams, but um, I think that anything can happen. Well, and what's impressive there is we didn't even talk about Warburg and we didn't talk about Coe, all two others that are certainly going to be in the mix mm-hmm. the rest of the season. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? You know, I, I think, you know, we, we spoke, spoke a lot about the Iowa Conference, and I think it's uh, a lot of great um, coaches, great programs, very balanced um, on the court, and, and I think it shows a lot of good kids are coming out of these programs as well. So, um kind of talks a little bit about what Division Three basketball is all about every every night, battling in the on the court, but then having to get up the next morning and get, get to class. So um, we're very fortunate to be able to play in the Iowa Conference and just continue to look for those great matchups. Well, good luck the rest of the way. Obviously, big games ahead, and appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us here. And uh, we'll look forward to watching the rest of the season as well. Thank you. Amanda Bailey joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline again. Team is 12-4 and overall, 4-1 and in conference. They will take on Simpson on the road Saturday before returning home for two against Buena Vista and Loris next week. Uh, if you're not watching the Norse and you're not watching the IAC, I suggest you go over and tune in. We just talked about all but a handful of teams in that conference who still have legitimate chances at the top. Uh, it is going to be fun to watch the rest of the way in the uh, Iowa Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. When we come back, we'll continue talking women's basketball. You're watching Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA NABC studios, we'll be back with more Hoops Hope right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. Uh, It was hard to look at people's faces. 
Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. Welcome back to Hoops, so presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA NABC Studios. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you have any questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or using the hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. One of our early segments was out of the Great Lakes region. Of course, we talked about men's basketball in that case. We've jumped around the country since then. And now we're coming back to the Great Lakes, but we're talking about more of a national scope Nonetheless, the UAA is always full of good basketball action and heading into the weekend. You got three nationally ranked teams in the lead at 3 and 0. Rochester and Washu are at 3 and 0 and NYU at 2 and 1, all nationally ranked. But it's a team that's lurking behind them that caught my attention. It's Carnegie Mellon. They're 2 and 1 overall. 13 and 1. I should say 13 and 1 overall. 2 and 1 in UAA play having just lost to Washu. We'll talk about that as they got their big weekend coming up as they will travel to Emory and Rochester. That is not the easiest of trips for anybody. And so we figured, let's talk women's basketball and talk to one of those teams we don't get on all that often because that's what's most fun about this show. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the women's head coach, Jackie Hulla. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks so much. I appreciate you taking the time. Right, listen, 13-1. and one. I mean, until Nancy Faye so rudely uh, interrupted your 13-game winning streak uh, to start the season, this is one heck of a start to the season. You've got to be pleased. We're definitely pleased, um, but to be honest, I, I don't think we've really paid that much attention to our record as we have uh, to just the fact that we're focused on one game at a time and are we improving with each game and, you know, just take looking ahead to, to the next opponent. So um, I suppose if we stop and we pause and we think about, you know, what our record is at this point, you know, obviously we're pleased and we're happy for the kids and the program, um, but our attention is really just on one game and the next game, period. Well, I think the big thing is you look at the conference, uh, the, the schedule, you guys might look at it. Those of us like me will look at it, and we look at the non-conference schedule. And you played some good teams, but certainly nobody world beaters necessarily. Um, and I think what jumped out at me is is you started UAA play with a win over Case Western Reserve, which probably w w would have been expected. You beat them by 24. But then you beat Chicago uh, last Friday uh, at home, and that's a big win for your team. That's almost kind of laying down – that, hey, we, we are for real. This is a good team. Um, yes, you lost to Wash U, but you know, that's the toughness of the UAA in general. But a win over Chicago, 83-80 at home, that's a great feather in the cap. Well, it was a good win for us. And you know, certainly we have a tremendous amount of respect for you know Carissa and the program that she's built at Chicago. And they're a very talented team. Mm -hmm. They play an aggressive, up-tempo style of game. And so 
uh, we were looking forward to the competition, and we thought we were ready and prepared, and we just wanted to do battle and come out and play the game. Talk about two uh, different styles. So you talk about playing up-tempo with Chicago, 83-80. You come back two days later, and you lose to Wash U, 63-50, in a vastly differently played game um, between those uh, those two. How hard is that to adjust to? you got to scout for Chicago, which is going to be high-scoring, and then you got to scout for a Wash U team, Nancy Faye, who's going to make sure – not to drag it out necessarily, but it's going to be a half-court set and it's going to be executed. Um, that's correct, you know, and I, I think, you know, you look around the UAA and I think you have half the teams that like to play up-tempo, small ball, very guard-oriented, run and press. Um, and then you've got the other half of the conference that, you know, can have a very balanced inside-outside attack and, you know, whether they want to speed the game up or slow it down, you know, they might play more of a power game, you know, in the paint. Um, and so, you know, you can either try to adjust to every single opponent that comes along, um, or what we would prefer to do is really focus on Tartan basketball. Um, I think if we can play a style that gives us versatility, that we don't care if we play fast and we don't care if we play slow, but as long as we're playing Tartan basketball, and, and that's really where we want our focus to be. I'm glad you went there because my next question was going to be, okay, so which half do you fit into? <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of glad you kind of answered that question, but that's got to be the tough part. At least you're flexible and, and adjustable to be able to go to either direction. Well, what allows us to do that is when you have a player like Lisa Murphy, um, as a post player who has such tremendous floor speed, and you know she's such a well-conditioned athlete. She loves an up-tempo style. I mean, she can get up and down the floor, you know, with the best of them. And so she, as a big, gives us the ability to just run the entire game if we want to do that, you know, in both directions on transition offense, transition defense. Um, and at the same time, because she has the ability, um, you know, her individual moves and ability to finish in the paint, she's such a strong rebounder. Um, if we want to set up and, you know, play a half-court game and play inside out, um, we certainly have her and players around her that have, you know, the high basketball IQ and the skills to be able to do that. So I love the versatility that this team has. Um, you talk about Lisa Murphy. You talk about this squad. You only have two seniors on this team, and Murphy is not one of them. She's a junior. Uh, Twenty-six and a half points a game, ten, nearly eleven rebounds a game. She's throwing out assists and a half a game. I mean, she's certainly a, a, a solid uh, player for you, averaging about thirty minutes a game. Jackie, uh, it was you asked. I asked you before, and I forgot it. Uh, uh, pole? Hudapol, yes. Hudapol. Uh, 15 and a half points a game. Um, also pulling down eight and a half rebounds a game. Lindsey Poss, your senior, 12 and a half points a game. Um, pulling down seven rebounds a game. That trio is pretty nice. Two of them are juniors. One of them is a senior. Uh, you even also have uh, Liza Otta, uh, a senior, at 11 and a half points a game. She's pulling down uh, four and a half rebounds a game, handing out three and a half assists. All, three, all four of them have assist numbers that are nice, rebound numbers that are nice, and obviously double figures in scoring. It's more than a four-person game, certainly, but th that four is one heck of a core for your team this year. It, it's really fun basketball. Um, you know, Liza Otto, Lindsey Poss, my two seniors, you know, they were my my first recruiting class when, you know, I came to Carnegie Mellon. And, you know, obviously adding, you know, Lisa Murphy, uh, Jackie Hudapole, uh, Jen Mayberger as a freshman this year. I mean, we have a core group of kids that are very unselfish. They all have playmaking ability. They have scoring ability. And, you know, everybody keeps asking me about, you know, Lisa's production in terms of her scoring. But you really have to give credit to the people out on the perimeter, the passing decisions, the ball movement. Um, their ability to score from, you know, the three-point line um, and to score in different ways. I mean, that really, I think, makes us hard to guard, you know, because we've got a 
strong inside game, and we've got a strong perimeter game. Uh, talking to Jackie Hulla here, the head coach for Carnegie Mellon Women's Basketball. They'll be on the road here against Emory and Rochester this weekend. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Obviously, that duo, that core group of four is, is something that, that any coach would love to have. You're going to lose two of them, unfortunately, after this season. Is there a little bit of pressure then to try and take advantage of this season and see if you can do some magical things as a result of that? Well, we're really excited about the kids who um, are coming into our program, um, our freshman recruiting class that will be joining us next year. And we're really pleased with how uh, the players coming off the bench are developing for us. And so I think next year we're finally at a point where you know, not only do we have a really solid starting five, but we're going to have a very, very deep and strong bench and so it's been a you know process to build a program that's been one step at a time you know one or two recruits at a time um but you know next year looks even brighter than this year in my opinion so we're very excited about what we're doing this year and we're even more excited about what's coming in the future well obviously you bring lisa murphy back there's going to be excitement nonetheless no matter how you do you lose a couple great seniors but outside of that that core though yeah obviously there's got to be five players on the court obviously you're subbing in these games as well Who's the young sung hero? Who are the players that maybe aren't getting the attention but certainly fill in the holes or put the finger in the dam, as it were? Well, I, I love Anna, Anna Novak. Um, you know, she's so versatile as a six-foot perimeter player. I mean, she's a combo guard that can play point guard for us, shooting guard for us, and just has tremendous floor vision. So her ability to play make, you know, create things for her teammates, whether it's in transition or in the half court, you know, she's got a really high basketball IQ. So, you know, I think sometimes it goes unnoticed how she's creating and making plays for her teammates. And then Nari McCoy, I mean, just a tremendous athlete. You know, she just, you know, every week, week by week, we just see her game go up another level. Very coachable kid and hard worker, has a passion for defense. So, you know, those two kids in particular, we really just, we love the way they're coming on and the, the unselfishness they both have, you know, in terms of their role coming off the bench and, you know, making an impact for us. You're in your fifth year at Carnegie Mellon. You're not a, a certainly a stranger to the women's game and, and Division Three, despite uh, graduating from, um, well, you went to Car- you went to Cal State Fullerton in your undergrad, and you went to Penn State for your postgrad. You've been all over the place in coaching, uh, for the most part. But you certainly know the coaches in the UAA, and you know the Nancy Faye. So I'm kind of curious. Sunday you play them, they get the win. She gets number 700. That's got to be both a, a, a moment you want to applaud and a moment you wish it hadn't happened against you. <laughs> um, I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but I honestly didn't know she was going for her 700 win. That I can understand. <laughs> I, I just, I really am just focused on what we're trying to do. Absolutely. And, you know, we have, you know, I have so much respect for you know all of the opponents and all of the coaches in the UAA. It is such a fun conference to coach in. It's such a fun conference for you know, kids to play in. And, uh, you know, when people told me after the game it was her seventh other win, well, I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, she's a legend. But <laughs> yeah. um, to be honest, I I had no idea. We were just focused on what we wanted to do and getting ready for the game and, you know, playing Tartan basketball. But, you know, obviously, um, you know, congratulations out to Nancy. It's it's a, it's a special accomplishment for her. And listen, I'm not that surprised you would have known that, especially when it's on your home floor. You're focused on a hundred other things, let alone what the opposing coach is going for in a win total. But you, you do have to go up against Nancy Faye twice a year. You have to go up against some other great coaches in this conference twice a year, and even co- coaches in your own region. It, what I have found amazing in the last few years, especially, but as it's grown, there are some 
really, really good women's basketball coaches in Division Three now. You know, if you want to be the best, you got to play against the best. And uh, while I don't think we played um, our best game this past Sunday against WashU, I mean, they certainly outperformed us and they deserved the win. Um, we're really excited to play them again. Um, and for that matter, I mean, we got to take first care of, you know, Emory this next weekend sure. and Rochester. And, I mean, there's just so many good teams in the UAA that you just can't get ahead of yourself. And uh, every night, you know, you just got to lace up the sneakers. You got to be ready to compete. And, uh, it's just a fun league to be a part of. So, um, and there are a lot of great coaches at the Division Three level. I mean, coaching is coaching at any level. Um, you know, you just want to find kids that have a passion for the game and you know go out and work with them and help them get better. Well, and that was my transition. On uh, on Friday, you'll take on Emory. Uh, you'll take on Christy Thomas Cuddy, who certainly has had her success. And then on Sunday, you'll travel up to Rochester and play take on Jim Scheibel who's had certainly success there. Both teams uh, playing very good seasons. Uh, Rochester nationally ranked. Emory uh, at 9-5, and five, still a tough team. Maybe 0-3 in the conference, but that, that, is, that is deceiving to say the least. But this is a tough trip, especially for yourselves. you got to fly down to Atlanta, which luckily for you means flying over to the blizzard and not through it. And then you got to fly back up and over the what is what has been a blizzard area, to, or maybe the blizzard, to get up to Rochester for a game on Sunday. This is not easy, and those ramifications of the storm could trickle down and affect your flights. How do you prepare for a trip like this? And I say this knowing we're talking to you before you get on a plane to head off to Atlanta. Um, I think it's important that you're flexible and you're adaptable. I mean, anytime that I'm traveling, um, you just plan on delays. You, you just plan on something going wrong, and then that way you're not freaked out when it happens. <laughs> sure. And so I think the same thing's true when you get out on the court. You know, we, we want to play a versatile style of game. We want to be able to make adjustments, um, and we don't want to get freaked out if, you know, something's not going the way we want it to. And so I think, you know, you can kind of take that mindset, whether you're traveling and you're on the road, you know, in unfriendly territory. Um, it's just, be adaptable, you know, and stay focused on, you know, the things you have control over, and, you know, and that's part in basketball. Stay mm -hmm. focused on that. The tough part here is you're traveling the next two weekends. Uh, you're you're going to go to Atlanta and Rochester um, this weekend. And, by the way, quick question, will you bus from Rochester, I assume? Uh, we're on our way back home, we yeah. will. So we're about four hours, four and a half hours. Right. So after we finish up the game at Rochester, we'll You'll you know, bus jump home. on a charter now, bus and, yep. Yeah, I figured home. there's no yeah. point in flying. So you'll fly to Atlanta, fly to Rochester, bus home. Then the next weekend, you'll fly to New York City, bus up to, to Boston, then fly home from that. Your reward isn't necessarily great because it's not like you got a long home stretch in this tournament, in this UAA schedule. Your longest stretch is road games because uh, the next weekend you'll return the favor against NYU and Brandeis, but then you're on the road against Chicago and WashU, and then at home against Emory and Rochester. So this next two weeks is kind of your biggest test in the conference in the sense that you're on the road for all four games. Um, I can see where some people might look at it that way, but <laughs> I, I really don't look at it that we're home or away. Um, in our non-conference schedule, we actually played the majority of our schedule on the road. You know, we were on buses, and, you know, we just we just want to be prepared, whether we're playing away, whether we're playing at home. We don't want to treat it any differently. Um, and I think our kids are confident with kind of the routine of what we do when we do get on a bus or we do jump on a plane. So um, you just have to be ready to play mentally and physically, whether you're home or away, and, again, control the things you have control of. Um, obviously, uh, big big uh, games coming up. How do, what do you, 
how do you prepare the team in the sense mentally? Obviously, we talk about the travel. I talk about the opponents. You're pay, you're facing a good opponent every single night, and you're in the mix, so you've got a target on your backs as well. So how do you keep them focused on the task at hand? But more importantly, how do you get them to kind of refocus on the next opponent when, when the timing's right? Yep. You know, I think that was actually our challenge this past week in playing WashU. Um, as we're building our program and we're growing our program, um, you know, we're aware of the tradition that WashU has had and they currently have. And sometimes you end up, you know, playing against the tradition instead of playing against the opponent. Yeah. And so, you know, the more that we can get our kids focused on our game, our style, what we're doing, our X's and O's, our execution, because, you know, again, whether we're playing Emory, whether we're playing Rochester, whether we're playing NYU, um, at the end of the day, are we executing our system of play? And so just keeping the kids focused on learning, improving, growing, getting better at what we do, um, I feel that's the way we can have the most consistency in our play and our preparation and our mindset. Um, so it's, we want to play to our standard of excellence. It's not so much about Emory. It's not so much about Rochester. You know, we want to satisfy our own expectations. Are we playing the game at our highest level? And, and one thing before I want to let you go is you coached at almost every level. Uh, I mean, you played certainly at a Division One level. Um, you've, you've coached some, some squads, uh, even as assistant coaches, et cetera, Dartmouth, uh, Northwestern. Um, you can go through the list of, of teams that you've coached at. You've even coached at the former ABL level. What's what is it about Division Three that you've certainly become attracted to, and how much from the other ranks can you use here, or is it a different beast altogether? Well, I think really the common denominator. Um, I've had wonderful mentors throughout my career. You know, my experience at Cal State Fullerton, I was fortunate to play for Billy Moore, who was the first Olympic coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, starting out at Northwestern University, uh, Ted Leland was an associate athletic director. He moved on and was the AD for many years at Stanford. Yeah. Um, and then he moved. He was also at Dartmouth, so he hired me on to Dartmouth. And Louise O'Neill, who was there, was a tremendous mentor to me. Um, you know, having an opportunity to come to Carnegie Mellon, there's a common theme between Northwestern University, Dartmouth College, and Carnegie Mellon. It's the scholar-athlete. Yeah. And I think that's really, truly my niche. I love these kids. They're special people. Um, they're amazing. I mean, they're overachievers. They're hard workers. They want to be the best at everything they do. They're passionate about the game. They're unwilling to compromise academic excellence for athletics. You know, so they really they want the best of both worlds. And so, you know, really, I haven't seen any difference through my experience between Northwestern, Dartmouth, and Carnegie Mellon because the common theme is the type of individual that I'm recruiting, coaching, and working with on a daily basis. And yeah. they're amazing kids. They're I was, amazing kids. I was going to say, there's an interesting thread there with Dartmouth, Northwestern, and here. You're getting nothing but academic uh, student athletes. You got very. I know your team has been honored for its its GPA in the past. Uh, you've got nothing but brainiacs who are really good basketball players. On top of that, and I certainly commend you, to say the least. Well, good luck against Emory and Rochester this weekend, and then obviously beyond that, you're right in the mix of it, which I know you're thrilled to be with a big win over Chicago as well. As always, we give the coach the final word, though. Any final things you'd like to say to those who may be tuning in? Well, you know. Uh, we hope that our game is fun, it's entertaining, and at the end of the day, uh, we want to remind people it is just a game. It's all about having fun and playing with passion and loving what you do. Well said, Coach. Congratulations on the on this point of the season. Good luck the rest of the way. We appreciate you taking the time. All right.
great. Thanks so much. Jackie Heller, or Hulla, I should say. Jeez, where'd that come from? Jackie Hulla joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Something fascinating to look at their schedule. Every single week of the UAA season, they are playing a nationally ranked team for sure. And most times the other game is a team who's in the national conversation. It is not easy in the UAA, and they are in the middle of it. Hats off to the Tartans. We're looking forward to seeing them the rest of the season. Uh, where are we going? When we come back, we wrap up the show. That's what we do. When we come back, we'll wrap up Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA NABC studios, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We'll try and answer your questions coming up as we wrap up Hoopsville right after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom or in the sport we love but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all of those who compete and endure. They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. College basketball. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC WBCA studios. I want to thank all of our guests who've been on the show tonight. We'll get through that whole list here coming up. Shortly, if you got any questions for us as we wrap up the show, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I was going to try and give you an idea of all the games that have been postponed over the course of the weekend due to the fact that there's a major winter storm hitting Virginia all the way through New York City. And by major winter storm, I mean <laughs> here in the Baltimore area, we've been under a, a blizzard watch since Wednesday morning. For a storm hitting Friday night, we are now under a blizzard warning. We are expecting two feet at least of snow uh, here. Now, I know there's some of you in the in the snow belts, whether it be New England, of course, sections of Maine last year. Uh, my parents, I think, received, I think we did a rough calculation, about 170-plus inches of snow uh, in a span of basically six weeks. Um, so whether it's those of you in the snow belt or wherever else, we were like, yeah, 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 especially those off the Great Lakes going, we go ahead, deal with the snow. We deal with it all the time. I get it. I'm not complaining. I love snow. 
if you know me on the personal side, or at least follow me on Twitter on the personal side, I will be setting up a few GoPros in the next 24 hours to live stream the storm. Yeah, I said it. And to um, also provide a time lapse. I'm crazy like that. Uh, I used to love working winter storms when I was at the TV station. However, I also understand what happens uh, with these storms in major metropolitan areas like Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York City. Notice in major media outlets, I did mention Baltimore, which they like to skip over. A lot of people here, too. Uh, Richmond, Virginia, for example, down into Roanoke, Virginia. And every Metroplex in New Jersey, Trenton, uh, and, and the like. It's going to shut down roads. It's going to shut down uh, everything. It's going to make life a little bit more miserable. There are a lot of miles of roads, tons of miles of roads, in and around these cities that need to be dealt with. I don't know if teams are going to be able to get out the door and get two games. And as much as I appreciate schools who want to make sure they can play these games in a timely manner and not screw up their schedules later, especially considering there could be another winter storm for this region later in the week. We tend to have back-to-backs. We tend to have storms that remember where other storms have been, if that makes any sense. It happened in 2010. We got back-to-back 25-plus-inch storms in a matter of, of five days, less than, really. It was three days apart. I can appreciate you wanting to get these games in, but I'm not an administrator, and I don't know all the inner workings, but I know enough about them to say, don't force the issue. I know there's schools looking at playing Sunday, maybe later in the day on Sunday, because the storm is supposed to clear out. It doesn't mean the roads are going to be back up to normal. Don't force the issue. Uh, My alma mater, Goucher, is playing Drew. Drew has to come down from Drew to play Goucher. Don't force the issue. Uh, Christopher, if you remember last year, not Christopher Newport, I was about to say that's the wrong school. It was DeSales last year, went to St. Mary's for a game. They happened to leave the day before and ended up spending 12 hours on the road of what should have been, I believe, if, if, if I have the math right, about a three and a half, four hour trip. Don't force the issue. Could it make it challenging later in the season to make up all the games? Absolutely. But it'd rather deal with that than forcing something that just doesn't need to be forced. This is a major winter storm that's going to affect hundreds of schools. Let's be smart, as it were, and and find another time to play them. I understand it's not easy, but we can find another time to play them than forcing the issue. I can't find a full list of the schools because the great thing about our website at D3Hoops is that it's connected to schools' websites, And the great things about them is they can go in the schedules and change schedules. The problem is when they change them, it simply moves them off that day. You don't see the word postponed. So if they moved it from Saturday to Sunday, the game moves to Sunday. So the best I can do is look at that particular day, um, for lack of a better description. Uh, I'm actually literally on the men's side calling up Sunday's day to kind of give an idea of what we may be dealing with. Um, Let's see here. I want to make sure I get the right date. Yep. So we'll move forward there. In the meantime, let me go back, look at a few scores from tonight. There was a few games that, that happened. Lancaster Bible continues to win. They beat Kiuka 100-80. to uh, They're ranked 20th in the country. They're the only top 25 team in action today. Um, other things that jump out at me on the men's side of things, honestly, not a lot. Penn State Barron continues to win. 
They're on top of their conference. They got over to Uville, 69-47. Um, Madai beat Hilbert. Um, Hilbert, remember, was a guest on the show recently. They're a good team, but Madai gets the win there. That's significant in that conference. In that conference race, Southern Vermont continues to win. They've been kind of off the radar due to some bad losses at the beginning of the year, but they continue to win. Otherwise, nothing else on the... There were some men, uh, some games that are taking place right now down in Texas uh, that certainly will have some ramifications, but nothing else jumping off. Uh, on the women's side of things, um, yeah, nothing, nothing major here merchant marine was playing coast guard in a random non-conference game and merchant marine beat coast guard it's a significant win for for the merchant um mary harden baylor lost to hard howard Payne. so here we go some of the women's games in texas have been played uh and i saw some that were tweeted out some of these haven't been updated on our scoreboard so quickly letourneau defeated bellhaven 70 to 56 howard Payne, as you mentioned beat mary harden baylor 69 53 East Texas back to this beat Texas Dallas 59 56. That's interesting. Uh, that's an interesting outcome, uh, to say the least. There, double checking Dallas's record. Dallas drops to nine and seven overall. Uh, Concordia, Texas beat Solaw State 72 52. Louisiana College de- defeated the Ozarks 98 64. And Texas Tyler, number five team in the country, defeated Arlington Baptist 104. 73. Otherwise, nothing else really jumping out at me here. Guilford did defeat Randolph Macon in women's basketball, 66-63. I think I'm looking at women's basketball. I am. Um, And that's pretty much it. Not a lot of other games jumping out at me, uh, as it were. Back to Sunday's schedule. This will kind of give you an idea of who's moved games, for example. I kind of know what games are normally played. But, for example, uh, McDaniel played number 13, Franklin and Marshall. Uh, of course, Franklin Marshall will fall in the polls on Monday, but they'll play him right now scheduled for 5 o'clock. That game could change. I'm assuming then the women would be playing at 3 o'clock in that. I will double-check that. Uh, Morrisville State and Gallaudet uh, was on Sunday. It's already been postponed. Um, let's see here. Randolph playing Emory and Henry on 3 o'clock on Sunday. That was originally a Saturday game. Moravians playing Juniata at 3 o'clock. That was originally a Saturday game. Geneseo's playing Plattsburgh State. That was originally a Saturday game. That's also interesting, though. Plattsburgh's not supposed to be affected by this storm, I don't think. I'm not sure why they... Uh, well, actually, Geneseo... I, I know why. I, I, we forgot an earlier segment. I, I blanked it. it. was Geneseo State involved there. I apologize. Um, Drew playing Goucher at 3. We mentioned that. The women will play at 5. Um, Landmark have the men play first. Um, I don't see any other games right now. Um, possibly Randolph Macon playing Washington Lee. I believe that's a move due to weather as well. And Swarthmore playing Gettysburg. Washington Lee games at 4.30, Gettysburg game at 6. So it gives you an idea of some of how those are those games are, are changing. Uh, uh, back to that McDaniel game I mentioned earlier. Uh, they are playing Franklin and Marshall at 3 o'clock in women's basketball. So stick to D3Hoops.com. At least we can tell you where when games are being played. And, and also you can go to D3Hoops.com and see games if you're stuck at home with power. In the middle of a snowstorm, want to watch some Division Three basketball games around the country. Plenty of web stream feeds at d3hoops.com. Well, you can find the full link there. Please feel free to check it out uh, and get an idea of what's going on. Also want to encourage you to go to our front page, check out the regional reporters. Plenty of good articles uh, throughout the country, including uh, a national article on, on Delaware Valley. Uh, new heights in the valley, as it were. Um, there's a great story about family uh, in Division Three in the West region especially. 
Uh, Millsaps gets a story um, as well this week. The Millsaps women's basketball team, I should mention. Uh, look, check and look at the OAC um, uh, in in basketball action on Wednesday night. Certainly, uh, also Darnell Ar- um, Artis from Gwen and Mercy. Great story about him as well. Lots of stories on the site. Check them out when you get the chance. Well worth the read, to say the least. Um, doesn't look like I got any questions tonight, and that's all well and good. If you're watching us on the podcast, or I should say on demand, or listening to the podcast, we appreciate your taking the time. Uh, a couple of notes. Let's see. Sunday will be on the air at 7 o'clock, barring... <laughs> Listen, we don't normally lose weather in the, or new, lose power and bad weather in this area. We simply don't. Yes, I can knock on all the wood I want. I've lived here for, uh, let's see, we've lived here now over seven years, and we've lost power once. Uh, and it was not related to weather. It was related to changing a transformer. Uh, um, so we will supposedly, we will po- most likely be on the air 7 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday uh, as we go through the nation, as it were, including the WBCA Center Court segment. Uh, back on the air next Thursday. But next Thursday is our marathon show. We are working hard to get unique guests, talk to schools we don't normally talk to, et cetera, et cetera. It's 12 hours of filling a show. If you've got an idea, let us know. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Even tell us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. It'll be part of our fundraising efforts. One year, it was the tail end of our efforts, our first year. The second year, we put it in the middle of our efforts. This year, it's going to be closer to the beginning of our efforts. It just has to do with when we're able to get all of our ducks in a row, as it were. So coming up, uh, we will be launching our fundraising efforts, which we have been asked to do by those interested uh, in having us do it again. We have been um, wonderfully um, um, helped by the NABC and the WBCA, but there's always more we can do, and we want to cover more and more. Last year, we had a late challenge that we would go out to Skyak country if we hit a certain dollar mark. We didn't hit that mark. Maybe this year we can. We're also going to throw out a couple other challenges out there, see if anybody wants to take them on. Um, so look for that in the coming days. I'll have time, thanks to the Blizzard, to put a lot of that together, and we're looking forward to launching that either this weekend or early next week and really kicking it off on Thursday with our 12-hour marathon. If you appreciate what we do and want to contribute to help us. Man, folks, this money only goes to the show. It goes to dressing up our studio. It comes to upgrading computers, to changing lighting, to increasing the camera work, and allowing us to travel to cover these sports. If you're willing to to uh, to donate to the cause, as it were, we certainly appreciate it. And uh, uh, you'll learn more through our fundraising efforts. This will be a third year that we are doing it. Um, reminder again, we aren't going to see regional rankings for a long time. Um, so don't be looking for them as it were, uh, February 10th will be the first time we have regional rankings. Um, I didn't have any comments about the top 25. Let me get that, uh, done real quick. And usually I mentioned that at the beginning, but we had so much to cover tonight. I wanted to get it done on the women's side. No surprise. 25 votes to Thomas Moore. Still no one's gotten off that bandwagon. Um, no surprise in the top three. They'll stay tight. NYU took a big hit for their loss um, uh, in UAA play last weekend. They fell from fourth to ninth. Um, maybe a little harsh of a fall, but still nonetheless. Hope Texas Tyler filled in the hole. Scranton moved up to six. Um, I've said this to some other people. I think Scranton's a very good women's basketball program. I don't think they're sixth in the country. Uh, I think they're maybe a number 10 to, to 15 slot, but they certainly deserve their ranking the way they're playing. Um, Rochester moved up to seventh from 10, which is interesting. I saw them earlier in the season as well. I think I saw them basically off of their only loss. Uh, interesting enough, uh, I saw them in uh, one of the exib- uh, the uh, losers bracket of the uh, Wendy's Classic, 
because they lost the first night of the Wendy's Classic. So it's kind of weird for me to see them sitting at seventh. It's one of those, it doesn't add up in equal two. WashU moved from 11th up to 8th, uh, leapfrogging NYU. Tufts went from uh, 12th to 10th. Ohio Northern leaped up to 11th from 16th. Uh, Whitewater took a fall from 8th to 12th. That does make some sense. Oshkosh jumped up to 13th. They will jump up higher after their win over Whitewater. St. Thomas is uh, hanging out where they should be. Calvin's 15th moved up from 18th. They got thumped by Hope. I'll be interested to see what voters do with Calvin out of this one. Muhlenberg took a beating for losing to McDaniel. Fell from 9th to 16th, but I think that's the right spot for them. By the way, Welcome River Falls to the top 25. They entered at number 18, and Rowan entered the top 25 at 22 and then got thumped. <laughs> thumped um, by Stockton uh, on Wednesday night. Rowan might be right back out of the top 25. Warburg and Williams, by the way, fell out. A lot of good teams to consider uh, in the top 25. We'll see how that shakes out. On the men's side, 14 votes to Whitworth. I, they lost one, which is interesting. Not, I have no idea who, by the way, um, but they did lose one. Elmers has four first-place votes. Uh, if my memory serves, it basically went Whitworth to Elmers is what happened. Uh, Augustana is in third with their five, Benedictine first. John Carroll actually picked up that first-place vote. I apologize. They went from seventh to fifth with their win over uh, Mount Union. Um, no surprises outside of that. Hope fell from fourth to ninth, which is about what they did on my bracket. They fell from three to eight on my bracket after their loss to um, Trine. What was it, Elma? Elma, I apologize. Elma, Elma. Um, Christopher Newport's now a top 10 squad. Really no surprises there. Franklin and Marshall jumped up. They're going to fall back again after losing to Gettysburg. Um, let's see. Susquehanna fell from 10th to 15th. That's that's about right. Whitman's jumped up to 16th from 21st. I just put him in my top 25 this past week for the first time. NYU fell from 15th to 17th off that loss. I'm still not voting. For NYU, they're gonna to have to get a couple wins and look significant in the UAA before I'm gonna jump on that. Um, let's see, Alma jumped into the top 25, going from unranked to 21st, and Texas Lutheran did the same, jumping in at number 23. A little funny story: St. Norbert's sitting 22nd, moving up from 23rd, even though I accidentally left them off my top 25 poll. You're probably wondering how I do that. First off, you can go check out my poll. We've tweeted it, or you can find it on the on the uh, d3hoops.com front page. If you go down below the headlines, you'll see men's headlines, women's headlines, and daily dose. You'll see it there in the daily dose. I simply lost track. I was moving so many teams in the bottom 10 around and moving several teams out, trying to figure out how I can get another team into the poll, which meant removing another team. I was checkmarking like I always do every single team that I account for, and somehow St. Norbert slipped through. I thought I was accounting for him. Bethel ended up staying in the in the top 25. For me, in hindsight, maybe I should have removed them. Uh, nonetheless, um, St. Norbert ended up slipping out. So next week, I'm going to have the double E challenge of not only trying to get St. Norbert back onto my ballot somehow, um, but remove somebody else in the process. So it, it'll be it'll be hard. Uh, by the way, Whitewater and Scranton were the top 25 voter or teams that came out. Johnson and Wales jumped up to 40 points to be unofficially 27th. Um, I m- leaped with them pretty high. They are dismantling teams in the GNAC. They are beating teams by an average of 36.5 points a game in the conference. Um, out of conference, it's not that significant. But Albertus Magnus last year, as good as Albertus Magnus was last year, they were beating teams in conference by about 18.5 points a game and out of conference by about 18.5 points a game. Johnson and Wales destroyed them in their game last week, um, beating them by about 50, I think it was. 
And Johnson Wells is destroying everybody in their conference. We talked to their head coach earlier this season, if you're wondering why we haven't had him on. We talked to him earlier this season when we saw that they were they were playing pretty well. 36.5 points a game is how much they are beating teams in their own conference. Um, so congratulations to them on the on the the, the, the votes that they are getting. Um, we'll see how that all shakes out in the end. That's going to wrap up our show. I want to thank you again for tuning in, whether it be on demand or live. I know we had uh, a few live uh, listeners, but not as many as we normally do. Those numbers will certainly come up as the season goes on. I want to thank, though, Chris Downs from St. Lawrence, who joined us live via Skype. Dan Priest, who joined us from Kenyon in the NABC Coaches Corner. Guy Rancourt, who joined us from Skype uh, via Lightcoming. Uh, Amanda Bailey from Luther. I want to appreciate her taking the time on the women's side of things. And Jackie Hulla from Carnegie Mellon on the women's side. And, of course, I want to thank Scott Hemmer once again from Geneseo for taking the time to come on the show to celebrate the life of Kelsey the player that they lost on Sunday due to a horrific tragedy in Geneseo. It is certainly a tragedy that is uh, not going to go away for that team for uh, very long. It's not going to go away for a lot of people very soon. Uh, We congratulate them on on getting through it, just simply getting through it. And I want to really thank Scott for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I had a chance to actually talk to Scott Pryor. Nothing to share with you. But it was just nice to talk to him and and and, and have a, a a conversation that wasn't taped with him. And I want to thank all the time he took to, to be part of that with me. That's going to do it for, for Hoopsville. I want to once again thank the WBCA and the NABC for their support and their help with this programming. I want to thank you for tuning in. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Listen to the show. You can listen on demand. You can listen to it live. You can listen on the podcast. Whatever the case may be, tune in. The more of you that listen, the more that will be interested in Division Three basketball, the more we can get maybe some other uh, ways of bringing financial support to the show so that we can cover Division Three better. We want to do more for Division Three especially in basketball, but across Division Three as well. And your support, your grassroots support like NPR, like a public television or public radio is certainly appreciated. It means a lot to us as well. So that will do it for Hoopsville. Thanks again to our guests. Also, thank you to all the sports information directors who assisted us as well. We appreciate them taking their time um, out of their busy schedules to assist. Um, we'll be back on the air. Power and weather uh, allowance. On Sunday at 7 o'clock, in the meantime, enjoy some basketball. If you are in the region where the blizzard is, stay off the roads, fire up the computer, watch some games at home, and enjoy it. Uh, In the meantime, maybe watch some games you would never watch in the past. Take the time and enjoy some Division III basketball. This is the perfect excuse for millions of people. Granted, not all Division III fans, but got a chance here to, to fire up the computer and watch some games and appreciate some teams and some players and some coaches out there. Across the division, you may not get a chance to normally when you're heading out the door to see a game in person. Thank you very much for tuning in. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA NABC studios, we'll be back with Hoopsville on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a good evening.